everyone. Welcome to the Deerland Podcast. It's episode number six. We're here at Deerland HQ today. I'm your host, Mike Boley. I'm joined today by the big buck killer himself, Mr. Louis Zinn. How are you, Lou? I'm doing wonderful, Mike. And also sitting across from me is our resident land specialist. He is Tyler Sellins. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing well. It's a nice snowy day out. It is. It's uh, still November. Tell you what, guys. (laughs) We're running out of November in a hurry. Sweetness is wearing off. It is. It is. It's about time uh, for official late season to begin. Mm-hmm. We still have a couple gun seasons to get through here in Illinois, though. We got uh, our second shotgun season opening up in uh, about 36 hours from now. Thursday morning, it'll be uh, time yep. to get back out there and join the Orange Army again. And uh, I'm ready. I'm excited for it. I always try to be optimistic when it comes into gun season. I'm sure by Saturday morning it may be a little bit different. I don't know. But uh, usually Thursday and Friday are somewhat slow as far as uh, pressure and uh, other people out there hunting. So we'll see. The weather looks to be better Thursday and then progressively deteriorate as we get into the weekend. But uh, some rain, some warmer temperatures. And for us guys that have uh, standing grains and food plots – we don't really want to see the temperatures rise and the snow be gone. And That's right. Um, but uh, nothing we can do about it, so we'll see uh, what happens here these next couple weekends. But if it rains, you've got those banks blinds. We do have the banks blinds. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking off air. I'm not worried about my comfort level with the weather. I'm worried about the deer movement. Um, I did make it out uh, last night, it was, and did a sit. It was the first night after we had our blizzard, blizzard, 2018 i guess snowmageddon snowmageddon yeah it was uh it was a dandy i was grilling sunday night flip-flops and shorts flip-flops and shorts 50 mile an hour winds i had the that grill turned up as high as it would go and could only get 300 degrees out of her because that wind was howling but so yeah so i made it out to the bank's blind just kind of you know more of an observation if anything and uh some does lots of does um Deer numbers totals, I don't know if I was seeing some of the same deer. I had nine deer at one time out in the field, but there may have been 18 total. Uh, right at the end of the night, four minutes before legal shooting line, had a big one come out, um, good-looking deer, come out and st- headed straight for the beans. Unfortunately, he went to the plot that was uh, the furthest away from my location. Mm-hmm. If it would have been shotgun season, I would have had a you know perfect broadside 134-yard shot at him. So You made that new shotgun. Make a little noise. Yeah, I would have let her, let her bark, and uh, I'm excited to do that, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, I'm going to hunt some mornings yet, I think. I was kind of on the fence about that, but Tyler and I were talking last night, and it's it's just hard to pass up a sit with a gun. You know, we don't get very many of them. You know, we get 10 days a year to carry a firearm into the deer woods, um, so essentially 20 sits. And I don't like to miss any at all. Um, so I'm going to give it a shot. It's it's a little risky. Um, try to get in early. But I'm walking across, a, you know, a large food plot, uh, you know, a four-acre food plot with an eight-acre field, essentially. So they could very well be out there feeding. But I, I try to get out in the dark. And, uh, you know, you'd be quiet walking across that clover. Um, if you can stay. You could you always know. stage up at the edge of the field. Just kind of get there right at first daylight, to just yeah, just to see if there's deer in. out in it, and if there's nothing, then going across it. And, and so I, yeah, a lot I, of guys do that. If yep. they got to walk across the a bean a destination field where they know there's deer, they'll go in it, whether it's good and light, or they'll just sit and wait and watch, and then yeah. sneak in. And 
kind of like a spot and stock, but you're actually trying to avoid the deer instead of finding one. And I and I've thought about that as well. Um, I did. I, I made it in the three days of gun season. I made it in just fine each morning. Cut her close a couple times. I mean, the one morning uh, it was dark, dark, and I had a doe come in. You know, eight feet from the blind. I just happened to be like wiping off the fog of the windows or something. Look out, and there she is, right outside the blind. Um, but I didn't. I didn't bust any getting in or out. So. I'm going to give it a shot. If I had the right wind, I, I would probably hunt one of my timber stands that I think is close to buck bedding, but the winds just aren't going to cooperate. It looks like a lot of east wind this weekend. So, mm-hmm. um, South, south, southeast, east, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to do some south and then some turning and then eventually work its way to east and then stay east for a, a day or two yeah. um, as a half inch, three-quarter inches of rain comes in Friday night into Saturday, I think. So I don't know. That should make it nice and muddy. Time all this snow melts. Oh, man, oh, it's going to throw some rain on top of it. It's going to be a disaster. It's already wet, and you know, and then the, the freeze and the snow, it made things a little bearable. Like walking out to our, our blind last night, it was good and solid, and we weren't slipping and sliding. But well, uh, even this, in the weekend's going to be different. In my timber, I, you know, I have to go down a, a pretty good hill, and it's kind of a, a path where I bring my tractor and stuff in and out. And – Walking down it, I took a couple steps where I got down to the the ground, and it was slick down there. You know, it's still a, a muddy spots underneath. I mean, it, yeah, yes, underneath snow. all the all the snow. So it was warm before the snow came, and then it just insulated know, it, it. Yeah, it's based on insulation over mm-hmm. these cool temperatures we have, so it's not going to freeze underneath right now. Yeah, I, I think I read something where uh, from the National Weather Service that they posted on Facebook that they had gotten like 12 inches of rain at that or 12 inches of snow at that weather station and it was down to like 8 inches and they said what was causing that is is falling from the bottom mm. and that they had like 40 degrees at 4 inches of you know under topsoil mm-hmm. so you know the ground was still a little bit warm um you know while well, i hunted saturday evening and it was 59 degrees i think you know it was sunny yeah. and 59 and then the next day is when snowmageddon showed up and uh, so, yeah, the the ground was still fairly warm. So sure. Uh, well, we got a we didn't get a lot of snow. What four or five inches? But well, it I was, had about eight. Up by did me. you really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think the further north and west you went, the, that's where the the heavier bands sure. were. So even just what are we twenty miles from one another or yeah. so? Fifteen. Yeah. It's just the way it came in. It was bl- blowing sideways. And one thing I noticed even coming down my driveway is since that snow was coming out of the west and the north, even the trees are coated white you know even the you know normally a snow catches the leaves and the tops but even even the sides of the trees are white i noticed that in areas where the wind would swirl like over a a blow over the ridge Mm -hmm. top you could see where the line of of uh kind of the wind would go because everything below that was covered in snow on the trees and stuff it's kind of neat yeah i was out sticky yeah i was on the road today quite a bit and saw some quite a bit of stuff like that so yeah it, it froze to about everything. That's, it did. That's for sure. Cold, so. wind chills, negative temperatures, which is what, what we want. Yep. Uh, guys that have standing corn, standing beans, uh, that's the type of stuff we want. Um, but with the incoming uh, warmer temperatures and it being late November, you're not, you know, it was kind of different. We're not used to hunting November with – Snow and cold temperatures. Snow, cold. Uh, you know, I, I was just sitting there thinking, well, it's, you know, if it was December 20th instead of November 20th, I think I'd I'd have a little bit better chance of seeing a, a mature deer. 
but since it's still late November, you know, I think they're probably still out searching for the last one coming into heat. But I've you, always thought like that late, you know, starting into December when they're really hitting the food is I've always been a big fan of just kind of letting the deer get on a pattern on some of those food sources and then start to hunt them instead yeah. of being the first one. You know, I mean, I know it's yeah. you want to hunt when you can. but I also think that my observation when a buck goes through a hard rut, he'll almost hibernate. He'll lay and hibernate for maybe a week just to regain some of that energy. And then he'll hit the food sources in December or whenever it is. I was reading an article today, I think it was from the QDMA, and talking about the changes that a, that a buck goes through during the rut. And they will lose 25 to 30% of their pre-rut body weight. And then they will get to a point once the rut is wound down and the temperatures get cold that they will have a a negative intake of calories. That right. They will burn more calories just staying alive and laying there than um, than what they can in, can intake mm-hmm. at, at that time of year. So uh, I think you're right. The bucks will just kind of hunker down and maybe try to bed somewhat close to some food. Right. But they're not going to move very far right. until they can kind of – get rejuvenated a little bit i don't think a lot of people realize just how physically demanding that rut is on some of these deer it's just unbelievable some of them it'll kill them yes it'll it'll absolutely kill them yeah not not by fighting not by breeding just absolutely just running running for 30 days not eating hardly they go on a they go on a bender essentially is what it is you know no george jones yes george jones style (laughs) bender yep that's exactly right that's a good analogy right there um so it's it's tough on them. It really is. Um, and that's why I hope having the food, you know, maybe. Well, I think we're going to touch on this in this episode. Yep. But the way I've kind of kept track of bucks is through trail cameras. Right. And it seems like trail cameras, my trail cameras go cold from, say, uh, November 25th to December 5th or 10th, depending on how cold it is, obviously. It's like where do they go? I don't. I don't think they go far at all. I just think I don't think they move. They I almost turn into homebodies. It's almost like a bear during you know during the winter. They they crawl underneath the tree and they might get up and go browse within fifty hundred yards, but they're they're so worn out and tired they're just not moving. So I, I just want to touch on one other topic before we move on here. We were talking about the rut, and then you know maybe some of those mature bucks are still out looking. Uh, last night, uh, I do believe I had a uh, a fawn that must be close or had come in. Uh, there was a, a doe and a couple fawns out feeding nearby me, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this fawn come flying out of the timber and uh, ran into another piece of a wooded area. And I expected to see a buck right on her heels, and I didn't. About 15 minutes later, uh, this three-year-old that I had seen on the other end of the food plots earlier in the evening, he popped out kind of where she was, and then he must have caught her trail because the second time I've seen this where I've seen a deer, like, cut a trail and it seems like they get excited, you know, and I don't know how I'm figuring that out, but that's just when I look at them, it seems like they're excited. You know, they start running. It's not one of those scared get-out-of-here runs. It's like, oh, wow, I think I'm onto something, and he caught a trail, and then he ran, followed it for a while, then he lost it. And he ended up in my brassica plot kind of milling around and eating for a while. So I think, you know, she's either getting close or they think she's getting close or something. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't think the, the rut's quite over with. Uh, I think maybe there's some fawns. You know, not all your fawns are going to come in in year one, but the ones that do are getting close. And then any 
any dough that you missed the first time around. I mean, they say, you know, and I believe that I had my first dough come in about the 28th of October, the last two years, about the 28th of October. And then they say that it'll take about a month or so, you know, to that next cycle. And if they didn't get it the first time, then they may come back in now. And so maybe that's what we're seeing here, you know, the 27th of November. So, um, but our topic today is going to be on trail cameras. Uh, We're going to give you a little bit of a um, tutorial of what we do. Not that uh, what we do is the right way to do it. We have a little bit different strategies, I'm sure. We haven't really talked about what we all do uh, exactly, but we're going to tell you our systems, when we put them out, where we put them, uh, when we decide to move them and why, and kind of what we see on them. Uh, I'm kind of like Louie right now. My cameras are slowing up. Uh, I checked them last Saturday, I think it was. No. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. I checked him after gun season. I, I can look through my text messages. Yeah. And tell you. I, yeah. Usually, I usually get a flood yeah. of texts after he checks cameras. Um, it was like four or five days after gun season. So it was the end of the week last week, maybe. Um, no, it was Thanksgiving Day. That's when it was. Yes, Thanksgiving. So Thursday, uh, I checked him. Hadn't checked him since like the 5th or 6th of November. Um, obviously, had a, a lot of great pictures up through November 13th. Um, Tons of good pictures, actually. 13th was a good day. It was. It was. And actually, the 9th, 10th, and 11th, I had my target buck in daylight for four of those six mornings or evenings. Um, and I was hunting all of those sits except for the morning of the 10th. And that was that Saturday morning that it was brutal cold out. Ooh, tell me about it. And I didn't get out of bed. And the reason why is it was so flipping cold that morning, but it was a south wind. And I had hunted this spot where I knew he would be. I had hunted it the morning of the 9th, the night of the 9th, and then the morning of the 11th I got called out um, for a, a call at work and wasn't able to hunt that morning, but then I hunted that afternoon to that same stand. And I would have hunted probably that 10th if I would have had the right wind, but i got to have some sort of a north there. And sure enough, I mean, he walked by it twice, and another mature buck walked by that stand that morning on the 10th. Uh, The morning of the 9th, he actually walked, when I was sitting in that stand, he walked by my blind and then by another stand that I had. We'd gotten some snow that morning. And then uh, on the 11th, I got in about 3 o'clock, and he was there at 2.34. I don't know (laughs) where he he went. Um, And then uh, I don't think I seen him maybe again on the 13th, and then we seen him – in person on the 14th and then that was the last that i've seen of him so it's just a big game of cat and mouse it is it is you know and i right place right time is what a lot of it is and just got to get in and put your time in the stand and, and i know that's a good stand louis was talking about uh hunting uh close to bedding you know 50 yards or so to bedding and uh i believe that my one stand where i'm seeing a lot of this activity on camera with this buck i believe he's bedded within 50 or 75 yards of there and uh if he does make it or has made it and has made it back home, which I believe that, you know, his home is close to me because I had him in velvet, you know, all season. He's been there all season. So um, I'm hoping he's going to show back up and maybe he'll decide to take up a home range at my place and uh, feed on some of the, the food that I've got available. So that's my plan. But this deer that come out last night was a whole new deer. So, So how many cameras do you run on your farm? Right now, I've got no, I've got eleven. I've got I've got fifteen cameras, but uh, I got four of them that are no longer in workable order. Um, 
So this one stand that we were just talking about. Um, <laughs> one per two acres, Louie. <laughs> so you're going to need about 120 here. <laughs> so what, I, what I've done is I, I've used these cameras to help me get a better idea these last four years of where the deer are moving. Um, you know, I'm not a mobile hunter. Mm-hmm. I set stands up uh, hopefully by August, and I run a couple stands and a couple blinds. And where I'm at's where I'm at, you know. Sure. Uh, they're ladder stands, so they're not easily moved. And I got to live or die by them. And the last couple of years has been rough. Uh, this year, I've used my trail cameras to get a better understanding of where some of these deer are moving, and the stands that I need to be sitting in. So I run 11 on 35 acres. I have about 40 acres of, of territory, I guess now, uh, with the permission ground next to me. That uh, I haven't went in on that yet, and and put a lot of cameras there, but. Um, so this one stand that I'm talking about that I have had the most encounters and daylight pictures of this target deer, I've got one, two, five cameras within <laughs> 50 yards of the stand. You don't want to miss anything. <laughs> no, well, there's two in the timber covering two different trails that, you know, the deer were coming, hopping a fence and coming in in one spot. And then there was another main trail that ran down through the center of the, of the timber. And these two cameras are only 20 yards apart, but they're, facing two separate trails and then um, I've got uh, a camera right on the edge of the timber on facing a licking stick Uh, and it also is kind of where the deer can come from about three different ways and come to that one point and then I've got two cameras there that are on scrapes that uh, that were pretty active. Yeah. Are these no glow cameras, or do you have infrared? Or wh- what infrared. are you running, Mike? Let's get into the details. Most all of my cameras are Wild Game Innovations. Um, I did uh, move up a little bit last year, and I bought two uh, Bushnell E2s. I think I bought the year older model because they said it was better than the E3s. But so my rule of thumb had always been for years is to run the Wild Games. And then, but I've never paid over fifty dollars for any of my cameras. Yep. So I wait until some of their more expensive ones will go on sale. So, and I've used them for several years. And you know, I had great luck actually with their cheaper models, other than the ones that were more expensive that are on sale. I've had a couple of those that just haven't worked out very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I needed to to do quantity over quality. Yeah, um, I really wanted to figure out what these deer were doing. I'm only one guy. I can only, you know, hunt so many different spots. And I feel that that strategy has started to pay off for me now, finally. So, Well, in all reality, you could buy eight or ten of a a wild game $50 camera, and there's a lot of other companies that make $50 cameras. You could buy eight or ten of those for a price of these high-dollar cameras. And that was my exact theory. These reconics or whatever. And so that's what I have always done, and it served me well. You know, I've got a couple of these that – they're just old reliable, you know. I mean, they take decent pictures at night. I mean, and I was at the point where I didn't need to know, is this thing, you know, does he have a kicker off his left G2 or does he have, a, you know, anything coming off his brow time? I didn't need to know that. I needed to know what kind of frame. Is this a somewhat mature deer or a young buck or is it a buck or a doe? That's all I was trying to figure out. Sure. So <laughs> sometimes those pictures you've sent me, you could e- it was either a buck or a doe, and you couldn't tell much after. And that, that was it. Yeah, and and that's so. What are the frustrations? Of, I mean, we all have. You know, when you get to talking about trail cameras, typically we talk a lot about the frustrations of a trail camera. What what have you had frustration wise? So, so I've got a couple of these wild games, and I don't know the the models of them offhand. 
But uh, I bought four of them at one time, and two of them just haven't been working out well. I mean, I put uh, one of them over a scrape that I physically sat in the stand and watched deer go up, mess with, walk by, and then you go to check cards. They're not there. It's right. taking pictures. Right. I just don't know of what, and it's only taken five or six pictures. So that's been the biggest frustration, I guess. Um, you know, I did have one a couple of years ago that died out on me. I didn't have a receipt. I didn't know where I bought it, when I bought it. I got a hold of Wild Game, and they sent me a brand new one. Sure. Um, just, just replaced it. Uh, so I was happy with that. But there is a lot better options out there. Um, the Bushnells that I bought last year, I've been happy with those. Uh, I ran a lot of the one on video a lot when I had it in front of the wild water um, and got some cool video. Mm-hmm. The The downside to that was is, you know, you had to check it quite often, and I don't like to go out there and check them very often. You know, yeah. 10 days is often for me, you know. Uh, I like to give it a couple weeks. And if you have a ton of videos, I mean, even an 8-gig card, you can fill up pretty quick. And then the batteries as well will – We'll drain out of them pretty quick, but it had very good quality. Uh, and then the pictures, I've been happy with the pictures. Um, again, it was, uh, I think I paid 90 something dollars a piece for these. So it had moved up a little bit in, you know, my price. Um, but now I've got these set up for a, a three picture burst, uh, which I love um, because it, it, there's been several times where I was able to find out more information because it took the three picture burst than if it would have been just a, a single picture. So, yeah. Um, so that's what I've got. Um, I do have intentions now to start um, improving some of my selection of, of trail cameras. Sure. You know, I'm going to continue to use some of these old ones um, and just throw cameras or batteries in them and go put them out somewhere, especially, you know, this new farm that I've got permission on next to me. Um, I'll just go set them out there and see what happens, leave them out for a season and then and go check them later. So, um, but my areas that I feel that I'm going to have the most uh, deer activity, um, I'm probably going to start using Reconyx cameras, I think, next year, um, just because uh, I, I do believe that they are the best quality camera out there. Um, the customer service is phenomenal after hearing some of your stories and stuff. So sure. that's hey, what I'm going to start doing. It's I, I think a, a game camera is no different than how we all started hunting. We we maybe start out with the Mossberg and at some point in our life we want to graduate to the Benelli or whatever it may be uh, you know you start out with a, uh, a $300 package bow from Dick Sporting Goods and at some point you want to get up to that Matthews or that Hoyt or That's Elite right. or whatever it is I started out with a, a an 870 smooth bore you sure. know and then I went uh, and got a Mossberg 835 sure. uh, combo turkey uh, we work our combo. we work our butts off to try and, and be able I've to afford them. Got this Ithaca, and you know you do you you save up money, and it's one of those things that uh, that I do. I put money back, and I've got you know some side businesses and stuff that I'm involved in that I use some of that money to buy some of this stuff. Um, sure. I'm not uh, I'm not using my regular money, you know, and taking away from my family, I guess, to buy some of these things, and I, I don't buy them until I have the money to do so. But uh, that's my plan for next year is to make an investment in, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how many I can afford, but probably three or four next year and uh, put them up in the, the spots that I feel are going to be the best and, um, you know, maybe add on some more later. But maybe four of them, you know, would be enough for me for now. I don't know. But amazes me is the technology of show cameras and how far it's come from what it – Oh, man. From where it started to where it is now. I remember as a, as a kid and I – man, if I had to guess how old I was, I was probably – 
10, 12 years old, probably 12 years old, somewhere in that range. And uh, I bought back in the day when you could buy, it was trail camera, maybe a non-typical salute. I don't know what the company was, yeah. but it was trail cam. Deer cam. It, yeah, it was just a. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Drury's had that one that was like a, a wild box. eye. Yeah, the wild eye. That was a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it wasn't that. This is no, well before. This is thirty-five millimeter. This is this yeah. is back in the day. I mean, I bought this when I think you know Bass Pro Shops. You had one Bass Pro Shops in Springfield, Missouri, on vacation down there, and mm -hmm. it, I probably paid a lot of money for it. I want to say several hundred dollars, but you had to buy. You could either buy a unit that was like a. Uh, it would get five. It would trip five times and just tell you the times, or you could get one that did like five hundred, but then you had an external unit that you strapped to the tree yeah. and you got a 35 millimeter camera and you put in it and hook these wires up into the, into your other unit. And it sent a signal to yeah. this that had to plunge or the push the button. I think it was you, like a non-typical, the, the non-typical. I've still got it. Yeah. I kept it and it doesn't work, but I just thought I'm going to keep that thing. Cause one day, you know, Spencer, or, you know, his kids or somebody may look at that and, you know, probably laugh at a little bit from what the technology yeah. is, but it was just, I remember that anticipation as a kid of, you know, you put 36 you know, roll exposure in there, and you leave it for a week and come back, and it was full, and you'd run a one-hour photo. and It was a raccoon. Uh, yeah, and you get there, the you had no idea yeah. what you had. And then but, you, but some of those, you actually had to stick a camera. I had to stick a camera. And it would hit the button. And it it yeah. had a mechanical plunger yeah. that you had the camera sitting there that would push the button on the camera to take the picture. I think it. I think Mark Cuddyback might have been. That may have been where yeah, that yeah. originated. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Now, I, I remember in the early 2000s, 2002, 2003, I did run some 35-millimeter cameras. I've still got them somewhere. And th that's right. You would pull the roll of film out and just that anticipation. And then I finally learned that you could talk to the photo processing technician the and strip. tell them that if there's no deer on there, I don't want those pictures. <laughs> and so <laughs> – yeah, <laughs> four or five bucks every time you go in there. A lot of rolls I dropped off. We'll go to pick them up. And they say, yeah, you don't have any pictures. I'm like, all yeah. right, you know, it's better than spending the money. But sure, you had to do one-hour photo. You couldn't just drop it off and come back the next day. No, you had to, you had, to, had to kill an you hour had to spend Walmart. The, spend the big bucks. So, yeah, we have come a long ways, and the battery life was atrocious on those. And, oh, 100 um, pictures. I had to take them apart. You had to take, literally take the camera apart to put nine, two 9-volt batteries inside of it. Unbelievable. And then a nine volt battery inside. You had to completely dismantle the camera, put the battery into it. You know, obviously you didn't know. You just came back the next time yeah. and found out it was dead. And yeah, I went from there. I think I had uh, maybe some old Moultries that took those big six volt batteries. Yep. I think I had one of those. And then uh, back when I used to have a bunch of those Cuddyback captures. Love oh, those. Yeah. Love yeah. those cameras for nighttime pictures, even daytime pictures. They were always crystal clear. Never any blurry photos. But they were still flash. Yeah, the white flash. And the white flash, but those are nice. You know, it's cool to see those nighttime pictures that are the white flash Always and all good. the color and whatnot. But if you get you I've get still one picture every thirty, 30 seconds, seconds if you're lucky. Most of the time, it was more like forty-five seconds if you stood there and watched it. But man, what great pictures! But I've, one every thirty seconds, I and your still, deer are going to be blind for a while. <laughs> I still have a few of those cameras that still work. And I'd pad one out on a tree this year just on a place that just you drive in and out and the, well, the walk through quite a bit. And, and I uh, had a browning. I thought, I'm going to put that browning on top of this camera and just see. You know, obviously one was like every five seconds and one's every 30 seconds. But there was so much that cuddyback was missing. It wasn't mm -hmm. even funny. But. Well, a lot of times with that cuddyback on that capture, you turn it to the 30-second one. And then so, boom, it takes a picture. It lights up the entire sky, it uh -huh. seems like. And either the, the next picture – 
was a deer running away or it was that same deer like looking at the camera trying to figure out what just happened (laughs) (laughs) he was half blinded but man that back in the day those were the ticket i mean we we thought they were the greatest thing since sliced bread and they were and i got a lot of good deer on those cameras Uh but uh, you know you always think man there's got to be a better way so what kind of year you know what year time frame are you guys talking about it's about 2000 uh, seven, eight, yeah, nine, ten. Yeah. So I remember there. some Four pictures. Oh, eight pictures. Yeah, that yeah. I got but. some 2004 or fives that are with the Cuddyback capture. But before that was uh, the 35, 35 millimeter flash, and then even when it went digital, then you had to use those big CF cards. Yeah. Um, which I remember having some old stealth cams with the big CF cards, and you threw uh, C batteries in them, and I mean. 80, just 80 pictures, you know, it'd be dead. Wow. You know, you'd be running and getting more batteries. That's a lot. I mean, the new cameras, you know, today is is uh, tenfold better on battery life than what they used to be. It used to be oh you my could – Oh, gosh. And one thing I didn't like about the, the captures was they never gave you a battery level. You'd just come back and exactly. see it's a B-low. And, yeah. and it happened like two hours after you Those left. Those took big Ds. Yes. Four, four big Ds, yep. Wow. Yeah. And, but a good camera. I've still uh, – I don't run them, but I gave them to a buddy. He swears by them. Mm-hmm. It's a huge debate. We could we could talk all night about the debate with whether a fla- whether flash bothers deer or infrared. I actually think a glow might even – It catches an eye. It might even bother them more than the flash. bad thing about a flash is it, there's that sound of that charge, and, and, then, and then you got the, you know – uh, it, it only has enough energy to create so many pictures every 30 to 45 seconds. But the, the there's a big debate. There's There probably will always be a debate. And even some of the best cameras now have a little bit of glow. Some of my best cameras that I swear by still have a little bit of glow, and you'll catch a deer looking back at them. You don't see the white flashing tail like you do with some other uh, flash and infrareds that really glow a lot, but the, the, there's something there. And they the, also still make a little bit of sound. The glow cameras, I, I noticed, I've had some of those, and I would notice that your pictures would, a, a large majority of your pictures, you'd have the deer there, and he's already looking at the camera. Yeah. I mean, he's just eyes locked on it because he's seen the glow already. Yeah, and I don't know if it put a little glow and then did actually took the picture. but Heard, heard a little shudder, fl- so, whatever that is. But the Reconics now that I've got, they're the no, no glow. And I think they still have, if you really look at them, bit. you can just barely see something. But I don't get – you'll still get pictures once in a while of a deer looking at it, but you don't get the ones where they're just, like, locked on it and mm-hmm. know it's there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's something that's highly debated about the glow, the sound, and, you know, what it does to deer. There are some guys that will hang their, their cameras high so sure. the deer can't see them. Point them down. And, you know, maybe there's something to that. However, this deer that I'm after is a five-year-old deer, and he has walked by the same set of cameras in daylight – multiple times and he knows it's there half the time you will see him check it out but it doesn't bother him he's well, not he, avoiding the area he's used to him mike you got him on like every other tree so. <laughs> and that's that's part of it and i do use the there are certain spots where i have a camera out about 10 months out of the year i mean because i'll leave them up through turkey season as well um or at least until the batteries die um but i just don't think it has that big of an effect on them um personally. i don't think it's a, a huge effect no but they notice them don't get me wrong. They'll notice them on a tree or, 
you know, notice one to stick and pick or something around there. But a lot of times it's just a deer kind of lost like, nah, yeah, there's something over there. Well, and I'm telling you, too. And you they go get curious about them, too. They'll come up and sniff them. How many, how many pictures you got of a, a doe walking up and nose right in that can? Well, yeah, it's I've like got, they give off some sort of scent. I don't know if it's the battery inside of there, maybe heating up a little bit from, uh, you know, just from running. They, they must give off some something. You know, because it could be electrical system. I mean, it's all electrical yeah. system in it, so they may sense. There's little processors in there. Well, I've got four cameras in particular that if you go look at them, it looks like I threw them in a mud puddle, and you know they're just dirty. They were clean when I put them out, but the deer just go out and lick them and nose them. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll move them. You know, if you don't have them strapped down hard. You know, I had the one buck. I think was trying to use my stick and pick as a rub and I went and found it and it was laying, the stick and pick was laying two foot from where it was. And the camera was knocked off the stick and pick. Um, that was from a deer. I mean, sure. I couldn't tell what he was cause when that took the picture, he was right next to the camera. Mm-hmm. But again, so I've had him come up and start rubbing on the stick and pick. And all of a yeah. sudden he, they'll hook it. There ain't I think Dan Perez had that happen. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, he posted on Instagram, uh, and ended up actually the deer, like ran with the camera Carried and he had a while. bunch of reconyx pictures of this deer or this mm. stick and pick stuck on this deer's antler for <laughs> 50 or 60 yards or whatever but um so i don't know i mean there's so many things we worry about um you know i don't wear gloves when i go check them i touch them with my hands um you yeah. know I, I think it all depends on where you're putting them and and the pressure that that property already gets and it, it goes back to the conversation we had with consistent pressure it's no different than cameras uh, it's no different with cameras if you're running your four-wheeler and your ranger and your and your uh, chainsaw on your property and you're also running 20 cameras they're used to all those things but if you're trying to stay away from your deer and, and trying to give them a big giant sanctuary and then all of a sudden there's things uh, sticking on the side of trees and on uh, trail pods and and sticking picks and they're going to they're going to come unglued for a while, you know. And I, I guess on, on my farm, I mean, there's cameras out so often, you know, like yeah. I said, normally nine or ten months out of the year. But I And there are other guys that will say, you know, if you don't, then you're going to have your scent and, you know, they're probably going to avoid the area for a little while. I can't tell you how many times I'll check cameras and within an hour or two, you know, or whenever the normal deer movement is, there's deer walking right yeah. back by it. It doesn't affect them. They've, they've caught several ear, ear nosefuls of you and your whole family and – your, your buggy and all that stuff. And, and I do. I mean, I, I do set a lot of them up where I can drive the buggy to them and just drive right up, not even get off the buggy, just sure. check them. And I have, like, three that are in the timber that I have to get off and check, and sometimes I won't check them as often if I'm just trying to do something quick. Um, sure. I'll just check the ones that I can get to quietly and easily. Sure. But, I try to do that, too, just have them where you can jump on a ranger or something and, and you just kind of ride around and you just yeah. stop, grab a card, keep moving, yeah. go to the next one and – Yep, that's the only way to do it. Try to put them in places where sometimes you don't even have to get off, and yep. if you do, uh, put your rubber boots on, take four steps. I, I've got stuff with the the rubber gloves and spraying them down. I mean, I used to do that, uh, and I guess I probably still would if I had a uh, you know a property away from here that I was just absolutely nobody was ever on. They didn't see any human disturbance, but uh, I, th- I think that's – we're overthinking it maybe a little too much there. I've, that, got, I've got some cameras that are further back into the woods that, you know, when it's summertime and stuff and I'm out just 
I'm going to go check cameras. I'll just go check them all, ride the side-by-side, go out, check them. But once deer season's here or, you know, it's time to start hunting, I'll lay off of those cameras. I won't check them unless I'm actually going to hunt that stand. Yeah. And I'll I'll check it on the way or in the way. You know, it's yeah. and a lot yeah. of times they're in very close proximity to yeah. a stand, so I'm able to. If you you're know, in the woods with them, in their bedrooms, absolutely. We take a little bit different precautions. Sure. As far as the scent and how we check them and when we check them. And, and, we're, uh, and we were talking about, you know, Louie, what are you running for cameras now? Well, I've got a smorgasbord, but I've graduated to uh, um, a lot of Reconics, and, and I thought I'd be the last guy that spent that much money on cameras. But, uh, you know, you start out uh, with cameras that are, frankly, pretty unreliable mm-hmm. and frustrated. And, and the only reason I knew they were very unreliable and maybe missing stuff is because I, was, I had friends that were running Reconics. And, mm-hmm. and and then you go to their farm and they're checking their 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 reconics and it's just like holy cow, and I'm talking all the way back to uh, when reconics came out with that camera that took the CF card and you strapped it to the tree. It was about this big. monstrous thing. There's still people guys using. The juries those. are still using them. Yeah, I mean Mark Jury's still got them and they're t- uh, f- 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I think they're 10 years old. They're I don't remember when Reconics They're probably started. ever bit of 13 to 15 years old, some of those old Reconics that took the CF card. I wanted to say Reconics was founded in 2003, but I don't know that for sure. It's Could on all right. their stuff. Yeah. It, it's probably 15 know, years. It has yeah. established whatever on there. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, it's unbelievable what – like their their slogan, uh, you don't know what you're missing or uh, it's see, what, see what you've been missing. Yeah. They, they There's do, something they, to it. They do not miss. I mean, I mean it's, it's – a lot of those other cameras I've had over the years, you know, you get a blank picture. What's taking the picture after the deer's already out of the frame, or you get the the hind quarters of a deer, or I mean, there's just what I find a lot of the draconics now. I mean, the ones you have, the ones I have, is the you know, if a deer's slow walking in, you're going to get multiple pictures of that deer, yeah. or it's centered, and yeah, I yep. mean, it's just they 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 don't miss. It's and it's seems to me like it's more shelf life to me. You know, I started out with the stealth cams and they didn't last but maybe a year or two and then all of a sudden you graduate to the cuttyback captures and yeah or you know i mean they're they're all good cameras but it seems like after year two three four five start having issues they start having issues or they just absolutely quit you know it's almost like there's a shelf life with reconics they just it's unbelievable the engineering and the and it's all about keeping the elements out out of that camera. You know, if you think about it, it's no different, you know, than sticking a, any electronic device out in the woods, in the elements, uh, through rain, snow, humidity, heat. I mean, it's just constantly changing. Think about if you just stuck your phone out in the woods, it wouldn't last hardly at all. It's all about in capturing that uh, all that electronics and, and technology and trying to keep it alive i mean it's it's got to be a huge feat with that being said customer service is huge no matter if you're spending 100 bucks on a camera or 500 bucks if if you're sticking that camera out in the woods and for whatever reason it goes bad you got to have the faith in that company when you call them you're going to talk to somebody that might be a hunter that has been in your shoes that can take care of you immediately i've got that from some of these other uh, less expensive brands but nothing compared to Reconics. 
And with that being said, I've had Reconics that have malfunctioned. I mean, not many, but I've had them where there's been issues, where the whether the infrared just quit. You know, all of a sudden you, you're getting great pictures, but at night it's just black. If you call Reconics tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., they're going to give you an RA number. You're going to take it to UPS. They're going to tell you when they receive that camera. Within 24 hours, they're probably going to tell you what's wrong with it and tell you when you're probably going to get it back. And if they know you want it back soon, they're going to do everything they can. It's um, theoretically, you could send that camera in on Monday and have it by Friday. Yeah, if if they if, weren't if swamp, you, if they weren't swamped, which typically they aren't, just because they make a really good product. But uh, I call you talk them. about a great, great camera. This this la this uh, Hyperfire Two. Uh, I've been so impressed with it, so impressed with it because. It's got a 150-foot flash range. Think about that. 50 feet. I'm sorry, 50 yards. That deer can be 50 yards from that camera, and I've proved it. I've, I've got a, a food plot this summer where I was getting a, a lot of deer um, hitting the clover, and then I planted brassicas in August. and So I had it down there from July to September, and there would be literally deer 60 yards away from that thing and it would light them up like a Christmas tree. And and you could zoom in with your with your software on your laptop. You could zoom in and tell exactly what they are from 50 yards. It's it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what that glow can can do and 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 it, and it gets you know, instead of checking your cheaper cameras and maybe only having 300 pictures, if you stick a reconnaissance out, I guarantee it'll your pictures will be double or triple what you normally get. In a lot of people, these you know, this day and age, is they're getting caught up on trail cameras with the megapixels. And yeah. if you look at Reconyx cameras, your Hyperfire, I got their website pulled up here. Their Hyperfire Two is a three megapixel camera. Oh, low megapixel. It's a yeah. low megapixel, but I think a lot. And I haven't, Mike. Maybe you read into some of this. Resi- on, it's about a resolution. It's the resolution, and they're I don't know, understand exactly how they're. Taking well, there's them. there's two different things. There's a native resolution, and then you know, like so when. These other companies are saying a twelve, you know, twelve megapixel camera. That's a digitally enhanced twelve yes, megapixels. That's yeah. what I was. So with the Reconics, you're getting a native three megapixel resolution, which allows you to zoom in better. I mean, like sure. with my wild game cameras, you zoom in, and it gets hairy in a hurry. You know. Oh um, yeah. Especially you know your nighttime pictures. Yeah. But going back to the Reconics, I think another big part uh, of why they're so quality is they are made in the United States, and they are. They use quality components, and the whole thing is quality. You know, sure. from the customer service to you know the 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 casing on the outside to the electronic uh, components on the inside. Whereas you know this camera I'm buying for fifty dollars is made somewhere that's not in the United States. I'm sure, and I'm sure it is just a basic run of the mill component that is used in it. And again. Depending on what your your end game is or what your budget is, th- let's be honest. There are some people that no matter what, they will never be able to afford to no. pay for Reconyx, and that's fine. Um, you know, but if you can, I mean, you are going to get what you pay for. And look, like Louis said, well, well long term they probably could though if they really sit down and look at the number of cameras they're going through. Yeah, and they're getting frustrated and it, get rid of that and go get another one. That's what it took if with they me. They buy one camera and it's going to last them a long time, and that's. I mean, I was, I was just, I'm on their site. They were founded in 2002. Two. So okay. it, it's it was a, somewhere in there. Yeah. I remember when they came out, and it was like, man, that is a that is a unique looking camera. And then CF card was kind of weird, but then you started seeing juries using them, and it was just like, 
Well, in just these last few years, you know, Louie, you talk about you were one of those guys that said, I'm never doing that. No, and I was even, spending 150 to $200 on a camera was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, what? You know, but they were only lasting maybe a year or two. So, you know, Tyler has, has had some Reconics for a while, and, and he would show me the pictures and tell me, you know, how good they were. But even then, I just couldn't justify it. Um, and then the Cyberfire 2 comes out, and, you know, it's a little bit more affordable. I think even their advertising this year, they said it's the most affordable camera that they've ever made. Yeah. Um, I think it comes in at 399 Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, you know, then that gets me thinking, you know what, you know, maybe this is something to look into. And I'm also at a point on my farm now where I think um, I've got some ideas of where uh, places for a great camera would be, you know, that this is a spot that really could use a high-quality camera and use some of these other cheaper ones for um, scouting missions, essentially, just, you know, throw them out. Because I have some that I'll put out in a spot that looks like a good trail. Uh, however, you put a camera out there and nothing shows up on it, you know. Uh, it just wasn't used uh, that time of the year, you know. Um, so I will still use some of my cheaper cameras just for um, exploring and stuff. But the areas where I really feel that I'm on a deer um, or I'm going to have my most activity during the rut or even in velvet, I'm going to start putting some quality cameras up and getting quality pictures. Yeah, I I know we keep going on about the Reconics and stuff, but it it is. It's the customer service. I've had accident luck. I I took a new one out of the package, went to put the SD card in, and it wouldn't take it properly. I called them. I said, hey, this is the deal with it. I said, is that something normal or am I do something wrong? It's like, no, not typically, but – they said, we'll send you a new camera. went in the mail that day. Um, you know, I didn't have to send that camera in and then wait on them to send me one. They just went in and sent it right to me, and I stuck the, the one, the old one, in the in the box and sent it right back. And, I mean, they're just a, a good – they make – I've got a lot of the XR6s, and if you're looking for a camera for videos, which I do a lot. I've run a, mine a lot of videos. I take a picture and take a 10-second video, and, yeah. and uh, they take phenomenal videos, have audio with them. Um, it's just been a good – been a good camera and i mean i louie you've uh you really like the the hyper fires and that's one i'd like to get yeah the hyper fire too i i had some hyper fire the hc 500 hc 600 the 500's got a little bit of glow the 600 is completely dark the 500 actually takes better pictures but there's a little bit of glow so the deer look at it um and then they came out the hc or the uh hyper fire 2 and uh i just i'm blown away by by the capabilities of them. And, I mean, they're expensive. I mean, it's – I've never – This heard, sport is expensive. It is. I mean, it let's is. face it. Well, um, we I, make it that way. There's a lot of guys out there that do it on a shoestring budget. Um, but, you and, know. And the biggest – you know, the biggest reason why – and I'm the same way, and I, it's close to my heart because I had it happen, is theft. Yeah. You know, you can't trust anybody. I had a uh, reconics camera stolen two years ago, and it felt like somebody – uh, it took you know, uh, ran over my dog. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, a it's, kick in the balls. It is. It's, it's it's a tough pill to swallow, that's for sure. And and that is another factor that some guys have to take into account. If you're in a high pressure area, um, or public land or something like that, you better really be thinking about how you're going to put your reconics camera out. Absolutely. Um, but luckily, if you, if you buy one, I'm just warning you. You'll want to buy more. I've never heard anybody. I should say never, but I, I think you'll have to look a long time to find people that say they just do not like them. Right. I, nah, I mean, I, I've got a cousin that, that, I mean, he's tighter than a bark on a tree, and just literally, you know, I said, ah, buy Reconics, you know. He's kind of like, nah, I'm, I'm good with the cheap ones over here. And finally he calls me one day and he's like, I'm going to buy Reconics, you know. It's like I've read reviews. He says, I can't find a bad one out there. And 
everybody just rants and raves on him, and he says, "I'm tired of fighting the, yeah. you know, the one and two year cameras and batteries." And the the great thing I love about him is you put a new fresh set of batteries in, you can literally go put it on the tree. Oh, yeah. and come, if you got a big, big, big SD card in there, you can leave it there, put it up October first, and go pick it up the first of the year, and it's still going to be clicking. You could, right if along. you had a lithium batteries and a big sd card you could leave them out for two years i mean they're unbelievable i got a buddy over in iowa and i swear to god it's the same hc 600 on the same tree with the same steel cable the sun has hit it so much it's bleached it he just leaves it on that tree all the time and he he, very rarely does he even have to switch the uh switch the uh batteries out you know Mm -hmm. but they're expensive. What's cool now with these HC or these uh, Hyperfire twos is they've got latitude and longitude GPS in them. So you set the latitude and longitude to where you're at, and if somebody runs off with one, you can actually lock it, and it'll send the code, I think, back to Reconic. So it's almost vandal-proof. Yeah. And that, or, you, th- or theft-proof. If you've got them, register them, too. I mean, I think that's one of their, uh, you know, if, if you registered a, a camera under Louis Zen and – Joe Blow calls in wanting to get the code to it because he forgot it. That's kind of a red flag to them if it's, it's right. Uh, it's uh, it's they're expensive. I mean, let's, and and let's so the, that's something I want to touch on here as well because, you know, we've probably lost some viewers at this point that are saying, you know, I can't afford this. You know, that's ridiculous to spend that kind of money on it. And I can't say that I disagree with you. However, us in hunting, bow hunting, deer hunting the whole gamut, um, squirrel hunting, squirrel land. Um, <laughs> it's, this is our hobby, you know, myself at this point in time, I don't have any other hobbies. I was a huge boater, recreational boater for years and years and years, spent a lot of money boating, having a boat, maintaining the boat, using it. Um, got into golf for a while, spent a lot of money golfing, you know, went to Vegas to golf and you know, all these things. So right now, I mean, this is my hobby. So, you know, for guys that go out and spend money, you know, maybe they like to go to the casino every now and again, or maybe they like to go to the tavern every now and again, sure. and, and on a Friday night, spend $50, $60 or whatever. Sure. Um, I don't do that. You know, I literally am kind of a homebody, you know, and when you buy your own farm and, you know, there's plenty of stuff to do, you're totally content with spending your free time there. Sure. Um, so that that's the money that I'm spending is, you know, my my hobby money, I guess. And I think most of us have some sort of a, a budget each year of money that we're going to spend on hobbies. Yeah. And mine just happens to be hunting related. Yeah. Um, well, I think that this podcast, uh, we're not going to apologize for, for trying to have the, the best things. I right. Mean, every, you know, every one of serious. We've all started with that $50 camera and, yeah. and moving up in life. And, and that's just what we, you know, I mean, well, to, to each is their own. I mean, there's other great cameras out there. We're just, we're, I mean, I'm, our experiences and what we found is works great. And I've got some, I've got some, I still got some Bushnell and Moultrie stuff. That's probably, you could probably buy it for a hundred, $150. It works and it works. Yeah. It works just fine. Yeah. And I think some of the other things, you know, we were talking, while we're on the topic of trail cameras and just the, the stuff that we're using, uh, you know, several years, I mean, it's been 10 years ago. I would go out this day and age. We've got uh, like stick and pick. Lou, you've got some other ones, don't you? Um, yeah, Moultrie makes a, a, a trail pod that you can stick. Okay, yep. so like ten years ago, I'd go make my own. Right. Just I'm trying to get because what I always found, and I think we've all been there, is you go to put a camera up and you say, "Man, I need one right here," and you start to looking around and there's not a tree close by, or it leans, or sure. you've got to put, you know, sticks behind them and stuff. But I found that like the the stick and picks have really come in handy to be able to just put a camera. 
wherever you need it. If you need it on a food plot, if you need it on that scrape and there's not a tree right there or a good trail or whatever that is, that's just one of those tools that's allowed me um, in areas that I've got a lot of cameras. I got I use quite a bit of them on field edges in the summer months if, you know, like an inside corner where they're they're naturally come out all the yeah. time and you have some beans, I'll stick just stick it right there. there. But if I started looking for a tree, I'd have to get 10 yards back in the woods because everything's so small or yep. – Nothing, nothing good, but it just allows for a lot of versatility. Oh, they're great. And, and yet again, that's another one of these products that, you know, a few years ago you were telling me that you had started using them. I'm like, I'll find a tree. You know, I'll, I'm sure. not going to spend money on that. And then the more I go with you and, you know, running these cameras and just, you know, got to move once you just drive by, pull it out of the ground, move it. And I'm thinking, man, maybe that's not a bad idea. So yeah. needless to say, now I have six of them because I only have six of my cameras that I'm able to rig up because you get a cheaper camera, they don't have the quarter 20 thread on them. Um, but going forward, every camera I buy will have the capability to be mounted on a stick and pick. And at some point I will put them on a trail in the middle of the timber because I can put them exactly where I want. I can put them at the exact height, at the exact angle, not using a bungee cord with twigs stuck behind it that every time you go to move it or whatever, it, it falls out or you go to check the batteries or the card and the sticks falling out and then it gets readjusted and, I will I will use a stick and pick on every single camera I ever have because they are so quick. It's not a chore now like, man, I need to go move some cameras around, which is, you know, another topic we're going to talk about here shortly. Uh, before, it was, you know, going out, unstrapping them, and then hoping you could find a tree and hoping that you could get the right angle in the right tree, where now I just drive by on the buggy and grab them as I'm going by, go where I'm moving at next, shove them in the ground, readjust them, you know, the tilt and the swivel, and you're ready to go. I mean, yep. there's nothing to it. So, again, that is something that is money well spent uh, for sure. Uh, and I used I used to be the guy that I – I mean, I've probably got still eight or ten of them at home back when I had a bunch of the, uh, you know, the cuttyback captures is I made these homemade stands out of some, you know, some round galvanized pipe and welded up a little foot thing, and I, and I could just basically do that same thing. But yeah. now with a lot of the cameras out there, those aren't – they really don't match up with what I what the old ones were, so I went to a lot of the stick and picks. And I mean, there's a lot of guys I see that they'll stick them on a you know T post. T post. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to yeah. to, well, to do it. But you yeah. the stick and pick just allows for a lot of versatility and being able to do that swivel in, in the in the tilt. And uh, so I I had done that um, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Of course, they were on some cameras that that didn't have the quarter twenty thread to begin with, but. I had them in some areas that there were no trees to put them on, uh, some open like uh, a four-corner section or something that uh, if you put it on a tree, you were back behind tall grass or something. just wasn't a good angle. So what I did is I fabricated something up, and I took a 2 by 8 and drilled two holes in it, put a U-bolt, two U-bolts on it, attached that to a T-post, and then uh, the camera it had, you know, up in each corner, it had a slot to put a bungee or whatever. And I just took a screw and screwed it to that 2 by 8 And then I could go out, set the T-post, and then height-wise, you know, I could kind of get it where I wanted. And it worked, but it's a pain in the neck. And especially when you go to move T-post, those things are not easy to move. Um, they can be a real pain in the neck, and that's for sure, to uh, to try to get a T-post up out of the ground. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about moving our cameras, um, you know, where we where we decide to put them at and uh, what our kind of our strategy is. Um, I think this year I was a little late getting out. Last year I put them out really early. I think I was out into May, Memorial Day weekend. My birthday's <laughs> May 27th. And I don't know what, if I just had an itch or I was just bored 
and got them cleaned up, had the batteries on hand, and just went ahead and took them out and put them up. Scout, yep. Has Velvet even started? No, yep. I, you know he was scouting <laughs> squirrels is what yeah, he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I, you'd be surprised. I mean, you know, in, end of May, beginning of June, you're starting to see some growth. And I just wanted to try to, you know, see if I could find a deer and see his entire antler growth. And uh, so that's what I did um, a little early. So this year, I think it was a little bit later. I think it was more late July. This year, I was kind of in the mindset that uh, I wanted to wait until the antlers were more formed, you know, um, had an idea of who was what deer, what they may be. Because, um, you know, I like to try to save my, my pictures of, of the ones that I want to keep an eye on. And uh, so, yeah, I, I come out a little bit later this year. Um, but I think July seems to be about the the main the main time for a lot of people. I've uh, always tried to shoot shoot for a uh, man. We, Louis, we got this chair fixed. I'm gonna. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, fall one of these I, days. I've already decided that once bow season is over with, my Banks blind reclining chair that's in that <laughs> blind, it is coming to Deerland HQ. And it is going to be my chair for uh, <laughs> yours is fine for the, the eight and a half months. Got, this thing's supposed to have six wheels on it. I think I got four and a half. So, so this thing isn't near as comfortable as that Banks chair. I'm telling you. Let's get a studio. Let's build a studio with fancy chairs. Well, and that's, sound booth. We'll we'll, we'll get there at some point. So heat, yeah, heat. So <laughs> so what were you talking about, Sounds? What what do guys normally like to do? You oh, as far to? as time. Oh, I, I always try to shoot for sometime around Fourth of July, middle of July, get them out, and you know, I mean, it's. I think we all have. Once you've been on a farm, or I think summertime photos, good photos, are hard to come by in Illinois. Uh, and I don't. I shouldn't say just Illinois, and I say that probably because there's a lot of states. Some states that you're able to do uh, salt licks, mineral licks, yeah. things like that. Missouri, there's certain counties you can. I think. Sure. Iowa, can you do it in Iowa? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so those are always really good places. I mean, uh, Clark County, we can still do it over there right now. That's always a go-to. You know, we've got two of those scattered around, and, and there's always a camera that goes there. And then I'm focusing on food. A lot of the bean fields, um, you know, because I mean, there's so much foliage on the trees and stuff, it's hard to get any distance in the woods. So I use a lot of inside corners on – bean fields, even some corn fields from time to time of, sure. of where they're traveling. You've got and a little I, bit of space between the corn and the timber. Exactly. It's a great spot. To that, that's where I, I'll, I'll probably have probably four or five cameras on inside corners uh, scattered around, and I always have get great pictures. But, man, once the once the velvet starts to drop, that all changes. And I'm, I'm hoping, too, this year, you know, I'll have some good clover. You know, this is my first year of having a stand of clover, and, you know, that should be – good uh you know summertime nutrition for them yeah. uh, and then the beans too i mean obviously they love them fresh growing beans so there's nothing nothing better um yeah. clover's yeah. probably second summertime velvet clover's probably second and beans would be first uh corn probably third yeah um, you don't see a lot of i don't think that, when they're when they're when that corn's putting them shoots off that's makes yeah it real that, tender, there are man, certain times that they'll they'll be eating on some corn a little bit but it's not going to be a a lot of times it's more of a you know cover or pass through area that they're just using the corn. If you for if the, you can put mineral out, that's number one. I mean, yeah. I, I'm uh, I'm a little bitter about Illinois not allowing us to put out mineral and, and stuff. I, I, I'm fully on board to not allow it during hunting season to yeah, not be able to. Yeah, bait. we're not going to be hunting over it and, and baiting deer in, but uh, allow but I, allow us to put a trophy rock out so we can 
uh, supplement them with some nutrients and get some good trail pictures. Yeah, and, I, and I'm a firm believer trace that minerals in them. the trace minerals can help, um, and but also for the inventory. To give you an idea of what you've got going on, especially when it comes to trying to manage a herd as best we can. I mean, none of us own big enough tracks to do it yeah. full on. But just so we have an idea going in, all right, what's it kind of looking like around here? I know myself, I mean, I'm always on the fence do I kill a doe? Do I not kill a doe? Do I need to kill two does? You know, 2016, I didn't kill a deer. I killed sure. a doe last year. I've killed one this year. But now I'm at a point now, I'm like, well, do I kill another one? You know, um, and it would be better if I had a better idea of what our deer herd was like in September. You know? It's it's harder to get a good, uh, you know, do a trail cam survey. You know, QDMA talks about doing that. A lot of places they say, we'll go put a corn pile out and you know, run your camera for two weeks, and and then you can kind of get figure out what your buck to doe ratio is, and how many deer you have, and and I don't I don't remember the specifics of doing that, but that's just something we can't do here. So a lot of it's observation in the field of of kind of keeping a log of how many deer, you know, how many bucks you have, how many does you think you have, and you know, watching your cameras too. But it's harder to really get a good judge on or like myself and ratios. just plaster your farm with cameras, you yeah, know, I mean, and just yeah. But you wouldn't need as many cameras oh, if, if we could throw out some mineral. I mean, you know, we used to be able to put out mineral in this state, and then CWD scared everybody up north, and then uh, the great state decided they'd make a law for the entire state, yep. which is the longest state from north to south in the country. Yeah. They decided they'd make the entire state mm-hmm. follow follow the same rules as some counties. Instead of doing like Missouri has done and had certain county bans and certain restrictions and some stuff. Some counties but. in northern Illinois uh, is the reason why we don't. Yep. We, we can't put out our mineral. And and there's legislation, you know, a study going on now. I think Don Higgins was, you know, a big proponent behind that to kind of get that changed. We thought maybe it was going to, and then it, it kind of did, but it didn't. And I don't want to start talking about that because I don't have the facts in front of me and yeah. I don't want to be misquoted. But uh, it's it's on the radar. There are people trying to get that changed for off-season supplemental feeding um, so maybe, why do I think that'll probably never happen in this? You state? know, it's 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 an <laughs> uphill battle, and you know the problem that we've seen not even in this state but other states is you know I think it was Wisconsin or one of the northern states uh, there was an issue that you know all the hunting groups, the DNR, everybody they were all on the same page, but the appointed members and the elected members of the guys that made the decision weren't because there was probably some lobbyist or some other group that was, you know, not for it. And sure. there was a financial restriction to it. Um, so they can't get this done. I think, well, one of them is Sunday hunting in Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm. They're, they're working on that right now. There may even actually be a, you can't a, hunt Sunday in Pennsylvania other than uh, foxes, crows and coyotes. Sure. Um, and to me, that's just insane. I understand where it come from. It's a day arrest. It is, but that should be a, a person's, right to decide you know i mean there are people out there that are atheists or you know have different religions that observe different things and you're throwing everybody into to one group and uh i've just always thought that it should be the person to decide if they want to go hunting and with the world these days everybody's schedules i'm telling you there's a lot of days where sunday is the only time that i seem to get out and go or let alone taking a kid you know uh you have a a 12 or 13 year old kid that is in sports or or whatever a lot of saturdays are booked and sundays are your only chance to get out into the field so uh, i think it's a draconian measure that you know needs to be re re re-looked at but i know all the 
all the hunting groups and conservation groups and the DNR, they were all on board saying, yes, we need to change that. But getting it passed through the legislation and the DNR, uh, most of your DNR is made up by appointed members, you know, um, they've, they've found some resistance in that. So, so we, before we started this podcast a long time ago, before episode one, we said we wouldn't talk about Relig- politics, religion, or CWD. And we've now touched on all three, all three of, three of them in the last three minutes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go any further on that. Let's get yeah. back to trail cameras. So I, I I was talking about that and Tyler squirming and like rising down his chair as I'm as I'm talking about the, the religion I'm thinking, thing. Mike, all right, you're talking religion, politics. Louie, you mentioned CWD. Let's let's uh, get back on topic. What do you here. think about cellular game cameras? Well, I was I was ready to take the leap. You know, last year that was the craze for everybody. Last year, maybe the year before, but last year was a big year for a lot of people. Uh, and I think around here, part of that was is because Spartan come out with a U.S. cellular um, camera. And where we're at, that's pretty much your only option. Mm-hmm. So there were lots of people that took that plunge. And I almost did. But I, I talked to you, Louie. You had a few of them. And I said, well, I'm going to wait and see what you think before I do it. And by the end of the season, uh, you had told me that – if I was going to spend that kind of money on a camera to go buy a Reconyx instead. Sure. Um, so I didn't buy a cell camera. Sure. Now, I still do think there are places for them. Um, the other thing, too, is, is I went to a prepaid cell plan where I can't just add, you know, the $5 line to it. So that was part of the reason I got out of it as well. But um, I do think they have their place for sure. They do. They just haven't been perfected. Uh, I jumped on board with uh, – with cellular cameras and Spartan, and we're a, obviously we're throwing out all kinds of brands, and and we're non-bias. Yeah, we're, we're not, not getting any money not, from anybody. We're not getting paid. <laughs> That's another uh, something everybody should consider is we're not getting free Reconyx cameras. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I and I still swear by them. I mean, yeah. I, I'm paying. <laughs> Don't, paying big money for these. Yeah. I, my, uh, God, I hope our wives don't listen. <laughs> That's the problem, <laughs> but, yeah. But, you know, we talk about these banks' blinds and stuff like that. My shotgun last week, I mean. We're paying. How much did you have in that shotgun again? Yeah, $343. I mean, this is divorce material, some of this you know, some of this money we're spending. But uh, it's because it, it I works, jumped on board know? with the cellular idea because if I, if I don't have to go check a camera and I can stick it on a scrape or a heck of a theory. food plot. Gee, many Christmas, and I can get it. I can get the pictures on my phone almost in real time. Cuddy Cuddyback came out with that uh, Cuddy Link system this year, and and, and, I, and it's yeah. It's I had got a, I me had intrigued. A, I had a client that bought it. He bought four cameras. Uh, at the time that he bought those, they didn't. He pre-ordered the cell camera, but he ordered the the four cameras. Sent them to my house. Shane, if you ever listen yeah. to this, I'll throw you <laughs> to the bus a little bit. But sent them to my house, like, hey, can you put those out? So here I am trying to figure out how to set all these things up by custom a little bit they're a little you, you got you need to read the instructions on these I, I will note that but um we i took them out put them around you had to make sure that the they were in range and you basically can daisy chain them across the farm mm-hmm. i think it's up to 16 cameras and basically i had one camera that was home that i had close to the road and i could drive up jump out walk up the hill and check it and i could get all Every four camera. cameras now they were low res photos but you still were able to see and then it was probably but, August. But there was still a high-res image on the card, right? High-res right. images you, were yeah. on the Kinda actual like a, a cell actual camera. Spartan. Yes. Yeah. But, and then he got the uh, the cell unit showed up. Cell unit, that was a, another story of getting it set up. It was kind of a pain, uh, I think. But they're, 
what they're advertising is like twenty bucks for I think it's twenty bucks. I don't remember what. Yeah, the, the Cuddy. The, yeah, for yeah. the Cuddy link, it's twenty it's bucks cheap. for up to sixteen cameras yeah. to send. But it, is, yeah. what, what it does is you can change the batches, number of pictures, and how often it sends it. And so, like as as uh, you don't even have to be there. You can change your settings via via laptop. No, you have to go back to the unit to change them. I uh-huh. believe because you uh-huh. actually had to get onto the cell unit, and I made that the home camera. And then I had four cameras scattered out, and he's okay. added a fifth since. But so that one cell camera will take. The, the cutting link cameras, the non-cell cameras, and send those pictures? So every everything you made, you made the, uh, uh, like the five cameras that were actually the cameras, like the repeaters, and they would send them all to the home camp called the home unit. It's right. not actually cameras, it's just a cell unit. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That collects everything. I see. And then sends them out. So Shane would get pictures, you know, it was always, I kind of chuckled at it because usually I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have a whole bunch of pictures he'd sent me, but he would get batches of photos and, and uh, as the season got closer, we were able to change when he was getting those and how often he was getting them. So he was kind of – he was able to actually make some decisions on – and he lives in Texas. So he was able to make some decisions on a spur of the moment a little bit of, hey, I think, you know, looking at the weather, looking at deer cast, watching what's going on on his farm of, hey, I'm going to come yeah. up and hunt. Yeah. So it it worked good. I think there's still some things on it that need – perfected maybe um wasn't what kind good. of battery life are they getting the, out of those not not the greatest i mean you're getting the, the cameras and that was one thing he noted was that the cameras when he would get kind of an update every day of saying hey camera you know battery life here is good yeah. good good and all of a sudden one of them would say hey you know batteries are getting iffy and the next day they're dead wow so yeah. it, it was a real short term short notice on that and but you don't remember about how long i think the home the home cell unit he got about Forty-five days, sixty days out of that—that's not bad. So if we're talking, it's, it's not bad. But if you don't have somebody close by, oh, to be able to go yeah, change. That can go he, change. He's in Texas. He's not coming. Screwed. He's not no plans to come back up. But he's wanting to see what he's on on camera. So he emailed me today. Said, "Hey, if you're up there sometime, I think the batteries are getting low. Might take yeah. some make take some batteries with you and throw in. So at some point, yeah. I need to stop by and well, we you know we more. were just talking about my cameras, and I said most of them I have on the field edges or whatnot, where I can drive the buggy right up to and check them. However, in this one spot, I've got two that are within 50, 60 yards of that, but they're in the timber that I don't check as often because I don't want to have to walk in right. through that timber. Intrusion. So that that's kind of gotten me thinking, but I haven't even looked at, like, prices on them. If, um, it, I, think he's, I think he's got about $1,100 into, into this for four cameras in a cell unit. Yeah. yeah. Which but, isn't bad. But you can – do it without the cell unit too, right? I mean, yeah, I think they're only four or five hundred bucks without the cell unit. Uh, just with the home, the I, home base. I want to say it was like eight. It was like seven between seven and eight hundred bucks yeah. for four cameras. Yeah, which isn't. I can tell. I can tell you if you stick a cellular camera in a bad spot that doesn't have service, you're going to go through a hundred dollars in batteries just figuring out what the heck's going on. I mean, that there's frustrations like, you know, I finally made the switch to a a great quality camera that i could literally stick out for years and have no problem with and then i went to cellular cameras with the spartan and those frustrations came back not because uh its capabilities but just how fidgety it was with where you put it um this farm's nice but it's only got good cell cell phone service in certain areas so if you stuck that thing out and it only had one or two bars Sure, it would it would send you that picture, 
but it would suck a lot of them. Them. It's no different than our cell phones sitting here. Yeah. I mean, switching from I'll go to one X to four G, you yeah. know, and cycle through, and that just drains your battery yeah. in no yeah. time. And it's, it's no different. Luckily, on my farm, I mean, I've got pretty good cell service. I mean, I'm kind of up on a higher, yep. higher elevation there. But no, to, another thing that you got to get used to is with the cellular camera, especially with that Spartan. And it, Spartan makes a good product. I'm not bashing it at all. It's just certain areas is probably really good uh, this particular farm it's not great unless I, I do have one or two spots um, you know you got to set the megapixel resolution low you got to set the size of the picture low and you've got to have it in a good spot that has good coverage um, but you know as far as the what I do like about the app is if it sends you a picture and it looks like there's a good buck or, you know, if a, a deer's standing there at 20 yards and it, it's a little bit blurry, you can request an HD picture, and it'll send you that HD picture pretty pretty soon after you request it. That's a pretty cool thing. Uh, you can adjust all the settings. If I want to do time lapse, I've got a camera up here on some uh, brassicas and standing corn. If I want to figure out what what's on there from midnight to or, or uh, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., I can set a time lapse pretty easy. I mean, the, the capabilities are there. It's just not perfected. It, it only takes – so if you set it for two-picture bursts or three-picture bursts, it sends you the last picture. Oh, okay. So that's a little bit frustrating, you know, because if you go check the card, you know, because it holds an SD card just like anything else. So if you pull that card out there just like a conventional camera, you look through the pictures – all of a sudden, you've got pictures of deer, and in that picture that you got on your phone, you don't have anything, you know. So it's a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't give you the whole story just like every other. But Well, and right now, you know, I, I could honestly probably be using one. I It would come in handy. You know, I'm after this one deer that I've been after all season, and he's frequented this one location, you know, more often than not in daytime. And he's kind of got a pattern where he'll be there for two to three days, and then he'll be gone for five days, and he'll come back for a couple days. Sure. And I think that if I had a cell camera set up there, and right now I don't even know that he's alive, um, but if I could set something up, and then when he shows up, then I know, all right, now's the time because there's a good chance that he's either going to come back out that evening or more likely that next morning he'll be back there sure. again. Because, you know, like a couple weeks ago, the 9th, 10th, and 11th, he was there all three days. Yeah. Um, so usually it's always at least two days in a row, either an evening and then the next morning or a couple mornings in a row. Um, I think if I had a, a cell camera in that location, I would probably hunt that spot a little bit more um, or feel, especially now, feel a little bit better about it that, sure. you know, he's alive and he's back there. And When I when I purchase my cell cameras, in my mind, which is always thinking about deer, I'm thinking this could change where I go in, in on morning hunts and afternoon. And I, so I stuck them in strategic spots and – it never really changed. It never, I, I never shot a deer because of those. I mean, it, it's, I think it's, uh, it, it, the idea is awesome. And that's what I'm saying if about. If it was real time, it would be awesome. And and maybe someday somebody will perfect it. But the frustrations that go into it are very similar to the frustrations that I faced with cameras seven to ten years ago. But in, you know, maybe five years from now, everyone's going to have them. I, I don't have a cell camera. 
and, and there's a I, I've got mixed emotions about them simply because of the fact that you know I, I think in this day and age with the trail cameras is all three of us in here are probably guilty of it is we're already basing some of our hunting and whether or not how motivated we are about going hunting based on what our cameras are telling us. Do I have a good deer on camera? Do I have yeah. something Without a doubt. I want to yeah. shoot? There, there's an ethical it, factor that, here, that, too. There's a, it's almost like it's, you know, from that from that aspect, if you're only checking cameras every 10 days, Mike, you know, you're, you're, you've got that anticipation a little bit of going out and checking that camera, see if that buck's back there or if he's been around. It keeps you going. And if you get the cell camera, to me, that almost takes, I mean, it, it's still hunting. Yeah, you know, I mean, so, but to so, that point, it's it's almost dictating even more or can whether or not I yeah. well, I don't know, nothing been on camera, and I'm not going hunting today. Nothing showed up on my yeah. on my Spartan, so I'm going to skip today. No matter what, it's old news. Like it, it, it you know, it, it maybe gives us more MRI for the future. It's always old news. So what even kind with, of a, even with the cell phone, what cell kind phone of a delay camera, is there? Thirty, forty seconds. If you've got four G, three G, and three or four bars. You can walk in front of that camera, and if you're standing pretty close, you're going to get that picture within 30 to 40 seconds. Wow. So, so it's still old news. So I that, mean, it's that, not like you're going to go jump in your tree and he's still going to be there, you know. But So that's what I was saying, you know. There's an ethical factor, though. For me particularly, this year with this one particular deer and the pattern that he has been on, that I'm this close, you know, yeah. that, that I know that that is the one time that – I really think I could benefit from it. I can't think of a time the last four years of owning my farm that I would have said, man, if I would have had a cell camera, yeah. would have known he's back or I had him on a pattern. Now I know today yep. is when he has returned and he's probably going to be there tonight, tomorrow morning or the morning after. Yep. I've never had that, but this year I do. So I do think I could do that. Instead, I haven't went and checked cameras. I was going to do it tomorrow, but now I'm talking myself out of it because of, again, Gun season comes in Thursday. I want to keep the you know the intrusion down, the pressure down. Um, so I may wait until the weekend sure. um, because I've already got my mind kind of made up of where I'm going to sit, anyways. At this point sure. uh, for gun season, but you know once gun season wraps up and we get into the late season, um, it would be nice to know when he's back because yeah. again I know he's he used the same bedding area early season. Uh, you know, this fall he's he's betting in the same area. So I know even late season, I'm probably going to check him coming back by the same camera, going to bed, coming out to feed. Um, so my 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 thoughts on the cellular cameras was my my dream, my hopes were I'm going to catch a deer, making a scrape in the morning. He's I know where he's going to go bed, or I'm going to catch a deer on a food source in the morning. I'm going to know where he goes in beds. I'm going to get the picture at 9 a.m. I'm going to go hunt him at 2 p.m. He's going to come out, and I'm going to kill him. Just hasn't happened, right? You know, it could it has it happened with many other people, probably, probably, but just not me. So we touched on this a little bit last episode as well, or or one of the most recent episodes, and it's been a discussion on the Meat Eater podcast. And this last one that they just released, uh, somebody had wrote in at the beginning of each podcast. They talk about you know people that write in with complaints or questions or whatever. And this was one of them. And they were talking about, uh, you know, the ethics behind it, the morals. And uh, Steve Ranella, um is saying that, you know, he believes that there will come a point where it will be regulated, just as it was with drones. Mm-hmm. You know, when drones first come out, it was a new technology that wasn't a big deal until everybody had one. Mm-hmm. Right now with these cell cameras, you know, it's It'll not be a huge live. deal. We'll get live video. And, and that'll happen. I mean, Lee and Tiff had it, you know, on that feeder yeah. there for a long time. Um, so it's there. It's just not able to be affordable to be mainstream yet. But these cell cameras are getting there, and Ranella's 
question or um, comment was, is, you know, are they going to get proactive and get out in front of this and enact legislation before it becomes an issue? Because there was he used a reference on something, and I can't remember what it was, but there was another issue that they got out in front of and they enacted legislation on it before it became widespread or wide used, and it was no big deal. But if you wait until everybody's doing it and then you pull it away, then everybody's PO'd, you know, because they've gotten used to being able to do it and a lot of people have done it, then you're going to get resistance. You're going to have less resistance if you get out and uh, regulate it before it is commonplace, you know, in the woods. So, sure. Well, uh, and I, you know, I think uh, I'm sure you guys have done it before I've done it. I noticed this year I had a I had a, a hunt this year during bow season that I probably saw 20 deer that morning or evening, and I don't remember which which one it was, but it stood out in my mind because I'm sitting there where I'm at, and I can watch one camera, and I and I just – it's like, okay, I watch these deer. I watch deer walk behind it. I watch deer yeah. walk beside it. You, you know, I mean, we get the cell cameras, and, and I'm just, like you said, I'm sure there's people out there that have got, you know, oh, saw him you it, know, it, yeah, on the food, deer. went to bed, I'll go hunting, he comes him. right back out, kills yeah. him. But at the same time – if you put all of your faith into what you're getting most real time as you can from yeah. your, from your Spartan or your cell camera, that it's amazing. And that's all you're basing it on. You're missing so much more out there. I mean, yeah. there's and no uh, matter what quality of camera you have, you know, if it's not pointed in the exact right direction, you know, and if you have it on a, a great funnel or pinch point, uh, then that's fantastic. Well, I've got parts of my farm that I've tried putting cameras on and can never get pictures because. They could go anywhere. You yeah. know, there's 40 different trails or whatnot. But, you know, guys like us uh, or me, for you know, I'll speak for myself, that I get out there and I, you know, I hunt usually 50 sits a year roughly. Uh, so I spend a lot of time. Times. Usually about F- 50. I would year. like – I need to be a police officer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, be a criminal. You're living the dream. <laughs> Taking uh, taking some vacation and uh, but literally Good come for you, buddy. come October, you know I don't I don't take vacation other than to deer hunt, you know. So I use 17 days or 15 days or whatever it is I get total uh, for hunting, and yeah. uh, and that's that's about it. But uh, no, you, you know, earned it. You and earned and it. you figure you know gun season. There's 20 sits just in gun season, you know, uh, between first, second, and muzzleloader season. I try not to miss any of those. So then it's about you're th- counting two sits a day. Yes, yeah. yes, not 50 days, right, 50 right, sits. Right. Um, so you know, and then it's 25, if, 30 bow sits. If you go in in the morning and don't come out till dark, is that that's two, two sits, sits or is that one? That's sit? two sits. That's okay. a morning and an evening. Okay. You know, I kind of break a day up into sure. a morning and an, uh, and an evening. So sure. Um, but we can get out there and see what's going on on our farms, um, whereas somebody like Shane that lives in Texas doesn't have that capability yeah. or somebody that, you know, maybe has a lease where they don't live there and they get seven days. Yeah. You know, they get a week a week to go hunt. Um, that, that could be beneficial for them. But what I would tell people is, is never – not go hunting because you don't have anything on camera. Yeah. I've done it. I've let them get in my head and get me discouraged. And the more I go out there and sit, and especially if I sit in a spot where I know I'm probably not going to have an opportunity to shoot a bow, um, shoot an arrow at a, at a deer, sure. but it's a great scouting vantage point where I can see 200 yards in either direction. You're going to see a lot of deer. You're probably not going to kill them. Um, but you do get remotivated, you know, like last night. I knew where I was sitting that I probably wasn't going to have a chance at a deer, but then I, you know, I had a shooter come out at last light that. Here's a big debate, though, and I have the argument all the time with my buddies that come up, you know, come to the farm and say, oh, man, I, there's got to be a big buck running around. There's got to be a big buck. What percentage 
I mean, we run them religiously. I look at thousands of trail pictures a year, thousands. So do you on yep. on 40 acres, and so do you on, you know, decent amount of ground. Wouldn't you wouldn't you say that we know 95% of the stuff that's going on or is it even more? I I think I think that uh I think you know 95% of the deer that have been on your property at one time or another. But actually, I don't th- what's going on based on the cameras? Not, I think really, but, I, but, I think. But what's cameras- going on is, I mean, we're trying to find a mature deer, right? Right. So, I mean, it's great to know how many does and how many two, two-year-olds and stuff like that's running through your farm. And, I mean, we check cameras not just to find a big buck. It's just cool to see deer. Yeah, I, I say place, buck but- pictures of any deer that I can discern something. So, like this year, I shot that seven-year-old buck. I go back four years. I knew what deer he was. You start young. Have have you have you? I mean, you run a ton of cameras on a small small acreage, right? Relatively small. I mean, in how many years you've ran cameras, has there ever be, has there been many surprise deer that show up? I mean, we got to put more credit into these cameras too. You do. I mean, I've I had a, a a camera this year. It was in the middle of our farm. It's down in the woods. I mean, it's just right smack dab in the middle. It's on a salt lake. It's in Missouri, just to clarify for everybody. And I've got a pile of other cameras around where, and literally this, I think two times, this buck comes in. He's probably a mid-50s 10-point. Comes in, get a picture, leaves gone. Neighbors never got pictures of him. They, sh- they sh- Somebody should have got a picture of him somewhere else on that farm, neighboring farm, something – Nobody got him, but two times he came to that camera to that salt lake and left. Never got him on one other camera anywhere else. And, and I showed pictures of the, to the neighbors. They're like, we've never seen that deer. tells me he's living within 100 yards of that camera, and he just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I don't you got know. him. Why haven't you killed him? <laughs> because I think he's one of those deer that just – I literally – He came in there for one day. De- no, it was, t- it was different days. It okay. was early. It was right when velvet came off, and then maybe another week or ten days later. Well, they'll shift their range pretty good, you know. They can, anyways. Not always. They can shift their range. I mean, I had that happen with one deer. I had the, this wide ten with a flyer coming off his left G three. That I had him on the target. I thought, man, this buck is regular enough. Even had him hard horned up through the very beginning of October. I mean, end August all the way through September, beginning of October, and. I thought, all right, this deer, I can get on him. He's going to be one of the the better ones to get on. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen him since the beginning of October. This uh, year. Well, this I, think, year. I think what you're getting at, Louie, is you, you would think that with the number of cameras that we all run on our properties, that we should know the deer that are there. We should know what's going on. But at the same time, it puzzles me a lot of times of, Mike, you've probably had this, is all of a sudden the camera in the middle of the farm, this deer shows up on, it's the only camera you get him on. And you would think, based on the way a lot of the other deer travel through the farm, that you should have got him on that camera or this camera or that one over there. I, I've and not had it. I've it, not it, had the, it here. Mike, the story you told, I think, of the deer you killed in, was that 15? 2015, yeah. 15. Yeah, I mean, you can probably rattle off the times and dates of all the trail cam photos right now, but you're like, he came onto the farm the one time he ever showed up. Had him on, on four cameras. Had never seen the deer in my life, October 9th, and he come through a spot that – I would have never guessed a mature deer would ever come through, let alone October 9th. But, yeah, he did. He, I can track him all the way up until he walked right out into the food plot to where I shot him at. Um, but I've had other deer that just show up on one camera. Um, overall, I think um, other than the three weeks of the hot rut 
you know, where you're going to get some random deer, but I didn't really even see a lot of mature deer that I had no idea who they were um, this year. Most of them, well, like the deer that I shot, had been familiar with him since 2015, but nobody had seen him in a year, you know. No oh. pictures this year, maybe one or two last year. I did find an October one and a December one of him last year that I had. But, but nobody... 2018, he's been MIA, and then all of a sudden he just shows up, and there he is. Yep, and I had a picture of him. It was a little bit blurry picture, uh, but at 6.03 that morning, uh, the morning that I killed him, he was walking into that food plot. And Are you sure uh, on that time? I am sure on it. I can... Was this before uh, daylight savings or after? Uh, this was the day before. That Eastern or Central time, yeah. too. So this would have been, yeah, that Saturday. You remember Saturday stuff. Before. It's awesome. And, uh, it's but, awesome. But he walked in and – into that food plot and I have to think that there's doe bedding all around that and that's why it's been a, a productive area but I have to think that he walked in there at 603 found that hot doe at some point that morning and then he had her locked down in that little draw between the two fields and they had been there all day long no pictures of him before that obviously none after because I shot him but um so th that can happen in most of the deer that show up. I mean, I recognize it. Maybe it's as a two-year-old. The deer I'm after this year, I started following as a two-year-old. Um, so another big debate that I always I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about is how would we interpret or how would we uh, – how would our love for hunting change if we didn't have trail cameras? Would it be more suspenseful? Uh, would there be more – uh, mystery to it would it change the age structure of the deer we shoot without a that, doubt. that's what i was just thinking of that is i, I mean think that's a huge debate that i i'm torn all the time buddies are like man you run too many cameras and you only go in certain spots because of what a camera told you where the fundamental side of me says you know what, would life, would hunting mean more to me if I didn't have cameras and I didn't know, if I didn't have names for every freaking buck on yeah. the farm? You know what I'm saying? So here's what, think, I, th what I think is, is with the cameras, you know, I think we can all sit here and say that we're, you know, at least going after four-year-old deer. I know, Louie, on your home farm, you're kind of wanting to push that towards five, but it's at least four-year-old deer is, is what we're after. Now, I believe that if we didn't have cameras where we would get these random pictures of these big mature deer in the middle of the night or whenever it was and otherwise we wouldn't even know that they're around we're going to be killing a lot more three-year-old deer because those are the biggest deer we're seeing from the field on a regular basis i think now maybe when somebody gets a lot more experience under their belt uh then that would change i also believe a guy like me that is self learning um trying to teach himself certain things that the cameras have played a big part in that it does hurt my woodsmanship skills it does hurt you know other uh, capabilities that i have because i'm relying on some of this technology however i wouldn't change it at this point um i, I think a lot of the louis touched on just like the, the the big thing was the age structure and i think that you know the cameras if you probably look back and we go back in time to when people got more focused on age was probably there's probably a correlation in there somehow of cameras and age and management and how we've we've evolved over time is a lot of this the technology and the cameras and doing that it gives I, us those capabilities yeah, to I, be able to do that yeah and i and i think you know it, it was uh 
there was it was probably a lot more suspenseful when we didn't have cameras because we never knew what was going to come out. We didn't know if it was a 140, a 180, a 120, a 110. I mean, we you shot the, the 120 only, thinking he was 160. Yeah, it, but the only way you had inventory of what was on your farm or to know know what was around sit. was because you went and sat on the you went sure. and hunted and you saw you figured what it you out. saw with yeah. your own eyes and what you, people that are hunting with you and, and you're sharing notes and this neighbor says I saw that or and even back to that day and age you probably didn't have a whole lot of of you know QDMA co-ops and sure. that sort of a thing. So, so uh, let me it's, it's it's definitely evolved a lot into uh, you know I saw Jeff Probst on a Hunterra little video one time he's kind of like shoot what well, makes you happy you know Absolutely. I mean that's that's the not everybody out there runs cameras. So I, I mean it's some people just go hunt to hunt and whatever looks good to them is what they shoot but that's yep. the, the the cameras have definitely changed the changed the game and, well, and the mindset the most, of what we're all doing. It's been the most I'd say in the last 20 25 years it's been the most transcending uh advancement technology yeah Yeah. it's a tool it's it's other than the i mean the bow technology has come a long ways too the the speed and the kinetic energy that these compound bows are able to produce you know absolutely um so but but it's the thing that people talk about the most i think (laughs) and if you're hunting a deer and if you're serious about it you're talking about cameras what what are you running what do you what sd card what, what lithium battery uh, where you you know where are you buying this? Where are you getting this? What are you spending? Buddies get around and pull their phone out and they look at this deer I got on exactly. camera. Look at that deer I got on camera. You know, I mean, exactly. it's a it's part of it. And I always say is you know, I mean, it's I kind of think of uh, you know Christmas as a kid and you know growing up and stuff. But this is kind of like to me, trail cameras is almost like Christmas as an adult. It is, and, and uh, I tell people because you never, toys. regardless, Louie, I mean, I know you've this year you've kind of said ah, you know, I've got a lot of up and comer deer. I don't have one particular I really want to shoot yep. right now. But you're still going out and checking those cameras. You're still going out and hunting yeah. because he's liable to show up. And right. there's always that anticipation every time right. you got to get back, get the cards in, and start looking That's at them. That's right. And and like I've said before, you know, for me, it's it's kind of a hobby, you know, just to, to run the cameras and see what's out there. But, you know, I guess I should clarify as well that I run all these cameras, and I don't check them all the time, as I stated earlier. Um, I haven't let them dictate if I'm going to hunt or where I'm going to hunt. As I've said, I've got – two stand locations and two blind locations and they each have a predominant wind that is better than the other so the wind essentially dictates if i'm going where i'm going to hunt at and i'm usually going to hunt unless i have something pressing going on that uh, i can't or the weather is just not conducive for deer movement none of my pictures that i have gotten so far have helped me uh, kill a deer like i said the deer that i killed this year had hadn't had a picture of him but in years past, I had gotten some pictures of deer using that plot uh, that time of year. However, I seen it more with my own eyes because I had moved from that plot to a quote-unquote rut stand, you know, 200 yards away. And then I started watching all the deer October 27th and November 3rd coming in and out of that plot. Sure. And so this year I said, I'm not leaving this place until, you know, the first week of November or so. And I didn't. I stuck with it. But that wasn't necessarily trail cameras. That was more of me watching deer movement during the rut and cruising and stuff. Um, this deer I'm after right now, it has kind of helped, you know, that I know that he's around. Um, but right now, I don't know that he's alive. I haven't had a picture of him in two weeks. Yeah, and yeah. so, uh, and I think that's also part of the reason why I'm not going to check cameras before opening day of second season is because if I go check them and there's nothing on there, 
it's going to be hard for my mind not to tell me, all right, you know, well, this is going to suck. There's going to be no deer out. Because I almost had that last night because I wasn't thinking no big deer were around. And then all of a sudden, last light, here comes a big deer out. So I like having that not knowing uh, of what's around. It was after first gun season, Mike. I think here's, there goes that chair again. going to throw me out of it. <laughs> it was uh, after first gun season, you were kind of you were kind of down in the dumps a little bit just based on the amount of shooting assuming that more than likely of where you're, that deer you've been after was hanging out, where he was using, that more than likely the neighbor had killed him. Right. And you had basically just completely changed and said, well, i got to find new target deer and kind of a little bit maybe lowered your standards to a certain – Well, yeah, I'd I, opened I, up more possibilities. You, you had, assuming you know. that deer was dead. But then, you know, I sent a message to, to neighbors and said, hey, you know, just – See what they killed, and I think they killed one one smaller buck, and that was it. So yeah, I was hoping that this deer wasn't what they were considering a just a, a little decent eight pointer. No, um, so no, and it, I kind of I chuckled at that because it was just like all of a sudden you, you just kind of flipped again. You're like, all right, well maybe that deer is still around, and, and you're back to him again. But you know, don't uh, the, I know the the juries talk about you know most recent information. That's good to have, but don't give up faith that maybe a deer just because you haven't had him on camera for a day or two or a week or 10 days or two weeks whatever that is don't assume that just because you haven't had him that he's not still alive well and again this deer has been an anomaly for me you know on a small tract of land it's not very often you get to somewhat get a pattern on a mature deer especially one that you've got four years of history with uh, passing it as a two-year-old so I have been a little bit more excited about this particular deer because for the first time in my life I felt like there is a good chance you know that i may see this deer he has been regular whereas in years past i will have some deer that will become regular for two or three days and then you may not see him again for two or three months or something you know they're just or you know they're showing up at midnight but this deer was showing up daylight from the beginning of october you know continually and so it did it had me excited and just with my history with him um i really did want to to have a chance at him and i still may we don't know we don't he's probably still alive you know we went through most of the options in the area and i don't think that he's traveling too much he seems to be kind of a homebody um but we do have another good deer around that i think might have been the one that i saw the other night i couldn't swear by it so and that's another thing this is my first year going into the fall with food plots and standing beans and that new shotgun. And that new shotgun and a new blind. Um, so uh, there's still a little bit of an unknown for me, you know, as most people have for the rut where you don't know what's going to show up. When I hunted last night, still part of me thought, we just got six or eight inches of snow, brutal winds, blizzard-like conditions. You know, these deer are going to have to be hungry, and there's not a whole lot of options in the area. Um, so I felt like maybe there's a chance they could show up and eat these beans that are standing here. And granted, it's the first year that I've done it, so you know it may take a little while before more of the deer figure it out. But yeah, and I think as uh, you know, as this, we were talking to, or, or we're going to touch on, is just kind of where you put your cameras and different times of the year. And uh, you know, I mean, if you're on summer food sources or mineral licks, if you can do them. Uh, you know, a lot of guys when when ruts starting, when the velvet comes off, things kind of change. The deer change patterns. Uh, you know, there's certain times of the year, mid October, late October. You know, scrapes are great areas to get a good inventory of what deer are there. A lot of times, your scrape activity is more nighttime stuff. Yeah. I found some. You know, you'll you'll find some internal scrapes inside the woods and stuff, or 
you know, that'll still get a lot of daytime. But a lot of a lot of transition, you know, from uh, habitat transition going from a field edge to a timber or, you know, field to CRP and then maybe even from the CRP to the timber. Yeah. You know, a lot of those you'll yep. find there. And so, I've also noticed a lot of deer just checking the scrape in daylight, but maybe not actually physically working it. They'll just kind of run by, sniff it around a little bit, and then move on. Um, but that is something that, you know, mid to late October when those scrapes really get going, if you see a fresh one pop up, I know I started doing it. Yeah. I started moving cameras and putting them on it, and it, and it paid off. Yeah, those trail pods are cool, too, because you can stick them right right, right exactly where you scrape. want it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you can stick them out in the field towards the scrape. You don't have to stick them in the timber out towards the field. You can stick them right where you want them, and deer don't seem to mind it. Yep. I'll even I, find a lot of times during October I'll throw an extra camera in my backpack when I'm walking yeah, in. If it's a good I, idea. If, they, man, a if there's scrape. a fresh scrape that showed up I didn't know about, I'll throw it up on there. And, yep. And, uh, you know, but I think as the as the season goes on, the rut, you know, slows down and, and, and the deer are, are transitioning to food focus. I think a lot of times, I don't know how you guys do it, but a lot I, I try to focus on is get them on the food source or get, you know, between the bedding and the food source on a, on a good travel corridor in there. And then just – and really because if your focus this time of the year is – food and that's what you're hunting is get them on the plots maybe you put on a plot watch or something like that time lapse so you can really tell when the deer are using it yep. um, and that's that's a good way in my opinion to really pattern those deer on on your food sources that you put in so you can make a make i did kill that that deer last year that buck i called stubs um, he was the oldest deer on the oldest deer on the farm he was six and a half but i killed him because of trail cameras there's no doubt and here's why. It wasn't because I knew he was there. It was actually because, judging by the trail camera pictures and the observation, I knew he was coming to those beans with a south wind. He was bedded north of there. Uh, the deer would enter the beans. He could lay right where he was, and he could smell what was in the plot. Uh, I caught him on a south wind on January 14th. I'd had eight encounters with that deer. And... Uh, Finally caught up with him the last day of season. It, it, the stories, I could tell you the story. It'd take a while. We've spent a lot of time. You wouldn't believe it, but I killed him on the last day of both season last year on a south wind, worst wind you could hunt this, this stand. Um, finally caught him because I'd seen him twice. I went back in the, uh, is it Wonderground? Yep. You can look back yep, and yep. see what the weather was 30 days ago. Which is something that Mark Drury three has years done a lot, ago. and I do it too. i seen him twice, and then I checked the cameras, and he'd only be on those beans certain days, and then I went back and I time-dated time the cameras as well as my observations and figured out that deer's only coming to them beans on a south wind. Yep. And uh, January 14th of 2018, 18. this year, he came out and I killed him. Uh, and that's something this deer that I've been after that I've thought about doing. You know, I thought, you know, a south wind was maybe when he was only coming. But then I got to thinking I had a couple encounters with him on a north wind. Um, however, I did notice on the south winds he's coming from a little bit different angle. Right. So I think he's he's shifting his bedding, you know, even only just 100 yards to the sure. east uh, with a south wind. But I think what I will do once the season is wrapped up, I will go back and study that and compare yeah. the historical weather information to the pictures and, and try to gain some knowledge from that. Now, again, my stand locations are picked out. I'm not moving anything. So, right. you know, I'm going to hunt where I'm going to hunt based on the wind. Um, and uh, But um, it, might, it might change some things. 
you know, you might reconsider certain spots where, yeah, man, he was he was coming through there with a north northeast, you know. I, I wonder what's up with that, and you might you might switch some things up. And 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 that and that may still happen with you know this late season. We'll see if he shows back up. Um, and once we get through muzzleloader season, if I still got a tag, then I will uh, you know try to get a game plan for that last five weeks or so of the season. And sometimes it makes you hunt a spot that might be marginal wind wise. Oh yes, but it's you know okay, I'll hunt there with a north wind. The wind's perfect with a north, but he ain't gonna be there. Right. Or I can hunt it with a south. And he's probably going to be there, and maybe I'm going to get picked off, but it's like which reward – it's risk-reward. Which one – you want to kill that deer, so you might as well go for broke. you got to be – I think we get too caught up in wind direction and thermals and stuff like this when we just need to figure out – go back and look at the data that we've collected with these trail cameras that we just talked about and just go in there and try to kill him. You know, If it doesn't work, you know what? You tried. Yeah, I'd rather. Uh, and again, I don't see, think I would I'd get, rather see what happened than wonder if I would have been in there. And, with and this particular deer, I won't get that aggressive with him. If it was a stand site that I just thought that you know it's a good chance of mature buck movement, but with him, you know, I know he has bedded on me. I sure. know he is there, so I don't want to do anything more than I have to that could potentially run him off of there. Um, You know, he did pick me out of the tree uh, on November 3rd, the morning that I shot, uh, that I shot my deer, um, that other deer. And I was in case right there about trail cameras of don't not hunt because of what you don't see. Right. Right. That deer gone for a year. Yep. And then that day you kill him. So you think think that buck that spotted you in the tree is not going to come back there for a while? Well, no. So that's what I was going to say. So the morning of November 3rd, he spotted me. He was getting close to my wind. And, you know, I know we talk about stuff. I do use an Ozonics. I do believe that it helps. You know, we can argue, you know, nothing is foolproof. But I do believe that it does help me. And maybe they notice something is up. And maybe they turn around and go the other way, but they're not going to bust like they normally would. I think they run 100 yards instead of a quarter mile. And this one ran 30 yards, right. you know. But I'm not sure that he even got to my wind. He got close to it. But, again, we looked at each other at, like, the same time. We both had that, you know, deer in the headlights look when we looked at each other. And I just stayed still, and he kind of looked at me a little bit, turned around, took a couple steps, bounded off for 25, 30 yards, and then just walked away. So, initially, that morning – I was down, and I wasn't going to hunt that night. Thankfully, I did with zero expectations. We talk about trail cameras and expectations. I went to that blind with no expectations. I almost overslept. I took a nap, didn't want to get up, wasn't going to go. Last minute, decided I'm going to. Got out late, killed the biggest deer of my life. You know, So you have to get out there regardless of what your trail cameras say. However, back to this other deer. Pegs me out of the tree November 3rd. Like blue at you or what? I mean, tell no, me. No, I go to – get in my pocket to check my phone, and as my head is going down, I look just out over gotcha. my tip of my nose, and he's 19 yards looking right at me. He had slipped through. I knew, you know, that was a trail he would use, but it was so quiet. It was so wet in there that I did not hear a single thing. And even when he bounded off, you couldn't hear nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. it made no noise. Mm-hmm. So, again, he caught the movement, and when you're a guy of, of my stature hanging off the side of an oak tree – and I was skylined, you know, it was kind of at the edge where I had nothing behind me. There was some uh, hedge branches and stuff behind me, but still this big old blob hanging off the side of a tree. He knew something was up, so I just froze. I didn't move, and he just turned around, like I said, took a couple steps. He hung around for 
five, ten seconds maybe, which seems like an eternity, you know, in that type of situation. That's a long time for deer to hang around. Five seconds. Normally it's a split second and they're gone. But I was. I was down. I thought, well, I've blown it. You know, he's going to be, you know, on the other side of the the county. He ain't coming back around here. Um, And then that was the third. And then November 9th, that Saturday morning, we had – we had some snow that had come in, and at 9.30-something that morning, here he is coming from the field this time. He came back. And walked right by that camera that I had into that opening. Would have walked. I mean, he walked right by where he was standing at when that camera took the picture was exactly where I was hoping a deer would stand when I was sitting there, sure. you know, out into the edge of the field. Um, so there he was. He was back. And then he was on the farm the 9th, 10th, and the sure. 11th, you know. So, um, so and he, I, uh, this is a better question for a biologist, and it's a further episode, but. I wonder what a, a deer's memory bank is when they're three years old, four years old, five years old. I mean, that deer, you know, if his memory was that strong of seeing movement up in that tree and he felt a little uneasy about it, you, you would think he'd never come back. That's kind of like that old doe. But he didn't smell He didn't smell you, right? I don't think he so. He just saw somebody he didn't like. Just think if he would have smelled you, saw you, maybe you shot at him. Would his memory be different, and maybe he doesn't come back at all? I, I, Who knows? I start to wonder, you know. I mean, it's kind of like that old doe that walks out in a food plot that she picked you off out of that tree, and every time she comes out, she looks up at it. She Does are oh, – yeah, those old monarchs are <laughs> – they look up 20 at 20 years old. They, they look, look at it whether it's, every, yeah. whether it's April or October. So I, I think he gets, he gets overwhelmed with thoughts of maybe – well, love some, making and stuff like sex. that. So, yeah. so that's something else with this deer in particular. You know, again, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but him as a two-year-old in 2015, I had him at seven yards in front of me, a perfect shot on him, and then picked him up a bunch on camera in 15, 16, 17, and 18. This is four years in a row that this deer has been on the farm. So I think maybe part of it is, is he feels more comfortable around there. I mean, he's just where Do he's always been. you remember what time you passed You need to kill that so we don't have to hear about him again. I've got it. Louie, that will be a three-hour podcast. Yeah, no, that'll be that deer. Well, just be that story. Been, this has been at least two. We're, gonna, we're, we're just going to do a that, – That'll be a Mike's a tape. A monologue. A Mike's tape, a Mike's take trail episode cameras. is what that one will be. I'll do that one solo. Um, but, we're, uh, we're gonna tra- are trail cameras minutes. good for the sport or bad? I think I – think, no, for me, I, I think they're a great tool. You know, it, it allows me to um, know what's going on, and not even just deer. I'll tell you what, I know locations where I've got a Coyotes, ton of raccoons, a lot raccoon. of rabbits coming in and out. Maybe do you ever set any? Do you ever set any cameras for squirrels? You don't have to set them for squirrels. I mean, they're going to find your camera, I can promise you. But yeah. I'm not saying that when it comes time to go squirrel hunting that I don't remember these spots where there are squirrels for days. You know, What's a big male squirrel? Is it a bull? Uh, yeah, I think so. You got any big bulls picked out? Yeah, I, there's some big ones running around. But big, I want to, I want to try to get one of these nuts. little, these little grays. And uh, they say they're you know tender. What I, now that we're on squirrels, I was on a property. Can a squirrel smell? No. I was on a property in Knox County, around uh, DeLong, and I'm I'm walking through the woods, taking some taking pictures, and I look over and I thought, sounds like a squirrel. And I look, I'm like, that thing's black. I walked around that farm, I bet I saw half a dozen black squirrels. Yep. Black. I know there's been some towns, I think Farmington, some other towns that have them in town, but I've never, I guess, really heard of anybody or seen them. I've not seen any in the wild myself of but black squirrels out. Is that the uh, the uh, ultimate trophy? A black squirrel? Could be, yeah. I don't know. Albino? I don't know. Well, I haven't seen one of those either. 
You know, one other thing on the trail cameras that I wanted to bring up while we were talking about it, has anybody had any experience with, like, the Plot Watcher Pro? Um, I've never ran a Plot Watcher Pro. No. I've thought about like it. most cameras now have the – have the uh, time, time lapse. lapse. Well, no, they do. Which I I don't have a lot of experience running time lapse. I did. I had a Cuddyback Attack that I would had the software with it, and I would stick it up high. But the problem is, if that deer is out there, you you're not going to see what he is. Sixty yards, is. you don't even know what it is. No, you just no. know that there's numbers in the field. So I think you know with the Plot Watcher Pro, I think that's something that is a little bit official. You know that they've got. Uh, a software that greatly reduces battery consumption, mm-hmm. um, memory storage, and the only downside to them is is it's only daylight. They only have the capabilities to take right. daylight photos. Um, but I think if a guy had a big area that he wanted to just put on plot watch all day long, you know, sure. because sometimes we forget that deer do eat all day long, every you know three yeah. to four hours or so, that they may be out in those those plots, sure. you know, in the middle of the day as well. Um, I don't know. I've thought about them. I just haven't decided to spend the money on it yet. Man, it's always a tough pill to swallow when you're when you're buying a camera, you know, or anything. You know, you I've learned that you know. I mean, there, you know, you get what you pay for with most things in life. Although I think you can find some good deals out there. Trail cameras, I think they're right. I think that saying is. You do get what you pay for. I think man. no, and oh, and again, I think don't that. just. I'm just warning you, any of our listeners. If you buy Reconics, um, I, I apologize. I apologize to you and your wife and your checking account. Yeah. You won't want to go buy anything else once no, you start running they're, they're, they're just awesome. But, again, I mean, if you go into buying a cheaper camera, but knowing you're going to get what you pay for, like I did, but I needed a quantity to try to learn this farm that I, you know, had never walked when I bought it, you know, let alone knowing anything about it. Mike, think about it. 50-yard flash rate no and i and i i understand that but if you're trying to cover a large area to learn how the deer oh, use yeah, yeah. your you farm if you need 10 cameras most people can't afford to go spend five thousand sure. dollars on cameras sure. you know so f- buy something affordable but just realize you're going to have a lot of blurry pictures you're probably going to have one of your you know five or six cameras you know go out on you within a couple years um, but you are going to learn where deer are moving um, and if it's a buck or a doe. And so, I mean, I've got some fantastic pictures. So how I've, many how many uh, batteries have you went through just because there was uh, even just a limb dangling down in front of it with movement or a see, and I've fox had, tail? I've had fantastic luck. I don't use lithium batteries. I you're, buy. But you're lucky with the, the mo- you know, with Reconyx, they don't even – what I've noticed, they is don't Reconics, even take pictures of that stuff. If you get a picture and you go, wow, they took a blank picture, it's probably not a blank picture. Start zooming in and, and looking around. It's, There's probably a little bird sitting where yeah. somewhere. It's thermal or a, a cam or a, a squirrel or a rabbit. You've just got to find it. Most of them are on movement, and I think Reconyx is on thermal. It's got to be a heat. It's got to be something in front of it that's got a little bit of heat. And 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 a lot of them are are that way actually, and that's why you can set the sensitivity to them. You know, high, medium, low. Unless um, there's foxtail or so, a lamb. So here's I mean, here's the thing. You know, I, I buy my batteries on eBay. They're usually uh, like $35 for 100 of them. The sun. Um, and I will put a fresh set of batteries in a camera in July and never change them, you know, through January. Um, and, You've had great luck. And that's just I, – I've had one Bushnell this year I had to replace, but I had it on field scan mode 
where it was taking three or 4,000 pictures a week. And so after a couple months, I did have to replace those. But on my other regular old cameras, I mean, they've still got half or two-thirds battery left. They've been out there since beginning of July. So. I think those Hyperfires, Louie, they've got a uh, – their claim to fame on them now is two-year two year battery life for 40,000 pictures. Yeah. Yeah, so – But that is one thing on the Reconics, I think, is they do stress to run some lithium batteries. Run the lithium. Oh, yeah, you, get, you got to. You know, but Mike, you've sound like sounds like you've had great luck. I haven't, you know, like like I said, I've got and four. I've, I've set way too many cameras up where the sun's setting or the sun's coming up, or there's uh, you, you weed eat everything, and then all of a sudden this weed weed hops over and he, <laughs> you missed one. Next and it thing shows you know, up the next day. There's twenty dollars of lithiums down the drain. Yeah, so that's why I don't, you know, I buy cheap Duracell. Well, they're not cheap. They're sure. Duracell batteries on eBay, but they're very thirty five dollars for a hundred batteries. It's pretty cheap. And that essentially will get most of my cameras up and going. I mean, that'll that'll fill them all up. So um, I've had great luck. I just want people to know that there are other options that are out there. Um, just figure out what it is you're looking to do and um, realize you are going to get what you pay for, but you don't have to spend the money. But when you get to a point where you've got your farm figured out and you've got some great camera locations that you think some good deer are moving through, and it is worth it to put a good camera on that spot. Absolutely. And you don't think any scumbag lowlifes are going to come steal them? Hang them up. And that's the thing, yeah. Put them, you know, uh, put them – Cable them up, put them in a lockbox, put them high. I cabled one last <laughs> You, you will years. be very upset if Reconyx I cabled one two years ago yep. and it got stolen. So a lot of guys, what they're doing now is they're putting them about two sticks high, two climbing sticks high and pointing them down. So if someone is coming through, they either got to find a way to shimmy the tree or have sticks with them. So, so here's the reason I bought nice cameras is because I've got just as many bad cameras that are guarding my good cameras. Right. Because I don't, I don't trust people anymore. No, and you can't. I mean, I've been Use a, some decoys. I've been a cop for fifteen years. Yeah. You know, I understand yeah. what what goes on out there. Um, and again, that is an inherent risk that you know, any time that you do have something, there is somebody out there looking to find an easy way out and take something that is not theirs. I think every camera at some point, most of the ones I have now are GPS tracked. You land, you get the latitude, longitude, GPS trackers. And then I think every camera we run in five more years is most likely going to be tied to our cell phone service or our satellite service or something where we can monitor, you know. Uh, uh, What's going on where they're right. at. Yep. Right. Like, I think a lot of the, the XR6s, they've got a passcode. So yeah. if you don't know the passcode, you, you can't, can't use it. You can't. They are basically a might as well throw it in the garbage because you're not going to get it to work. Yep, you might not, you might never get it back, but whoever stole it, they're not going to be able to use. Not going to be able to use it. Yeah. So, and once that that gets out there, I mean, people will be less apt to take them. But you'd be surprised by the number of people that still still steal people's cell phones, knowing that they can't even get in it, let just alone ever use it. Something. They just steal. I mean, that's you know, don't become a cop for a living if you want to still see the good in everybody, right. because you have to see so much bad. There's yeah. still a lot of great people out there, but I, you know people will do things that you just can't uh, put yeah. logic into. Right. So, um, so that's going to wrap it up for today's episode on trail cameras. I think, you know, we kind of dove into this pretty deep. Um, and it is something that a lot of us, you know, or both of us or all three of us have a lot of experience in. Anybody um, else got anything to add about it? I, well, I've I'm got sitting here to, watching to our, to our think, listeners. I, think I do need to talk about. I, I, I'm sitting here watching both of you guys, like giving me the stop, <laughs> shut up. We got to end this thing. So that's what I'm doing. I, I, I'll do, I'll end on this. That anybody's listening, if you're running a uh, more trail cameras per acre than what 
Mike, Mike is. <laughs> I would uh, please please comment. Let us know. I'd like to hear what your. Uh, you know, if anybody's running more than more than uh, one camera per two acres, we could, you know, we could do a two-part series on cameras. No, I mean, there's still more that we could talk, touch on, and you know that will happen because we will run out of things to talk about at some point in topics. We'll have to well come back a year to the from stuff now we'll have something about. else that we're. Um, that's you know, what's cool about the sport, and that's the thing with my cameras. As they die off and and quit working, I'm not going to replace them with cheap cameras. So, in all honesty, I will. There will come a day where I will have eight cameras on 40 acres that's right and and that's just you know that's way too much you talk to people and they say you need one camera per 40 acres right. well the way my farm lays out the way you know i don't hunt certain parts of it i need those types of of cameras to be able to cover it all because you'd be surprised the number of cameras that don't get a deer on it you know or don't get a certain deer on it so um i'm not going to change that and you know I, I found that that works well on my farm for me and the the objectives that i'm trying to attain and that's the thing with our listeners we're all going to have different objectives so find uh, what your objective is and find the best way to attain it and tune in next week for more updates on the mule deer buck we'll have another, are you gonna kill that deer or what you know i we're gonna have another another 30 minute saga story on here, it. here's here's my vision a trail camera a drone drone flies over the trail camera trail camera sends a bluetooth signal to the drone transfers your pictures from the trail camera up to the drone Drone brings the SD card back, sets it wherever you need it to. You pull the SD card out and you check it. All right. I think somebody needs to cut Louie off. <laughs> um, he's not making any sense anymore. But, well, you, but, you know, in talking about drones, the one great use I found. Hear, did you hear what I said? No. I mean, I think it's a genius idea. <laughs> okay. It's uh, Bluetooth. The one, the one great idea that I thought. And Mike's worried about running out of content to talk about. For a drone. Yeah, let's talk about that idea is <laughs> – a couple of years ago, in an all-day set in a rut, Tyler had had his drone out, you know, a couple months before taking pictures of the farm, and I'm sitting there, and I had forgot to pack a lunch, and I was hungry. So I texted him. I said, is there any way that you could take that drone and, like, tie off a ham sandwich to it and just fly it out and <laughs> drop come it? to me and land it? Yeah. He said it, it didn't have the payload capacity, but I think that's a genius idea right there. You could deliver food. He could have pulled up to my house. Sent me out a Subway sandwich right to where I was at, sure. and, I, and I'd have been fine. But sure. he wouldn't try it. So, um, again, we'll you talk. Could, you could also hover that drone over a trail camera and transfer the photos from the trail <laughs> camera to the drone <laughs> and bring, and bring it SD, back. Yeah. Bring the SD the, card the, back. Hey, the technology is there. But don't you think that it would be just as intrusive just to drive a buggy out and do it? No, I don't of that? think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, think so. the deer like that, those drones. That drone well. is probably ten times more intrusive. Oh than my that, gosh, than your they buggy. don't like so those from drones. From the sky, you think so? Oh, I know so. What if you could hover thousand feet above it? Well, Bluetooth has well, like a twelve legally, foot capability or something. You can't you can't go over four hundred feet with the drone. Okay. Yeah. So okay. you got to have a pilot's license now. So oh sure. Well, we're commercial. getting we're getting way yeah. down be, a, way I down be, a rabbit. I hole. believe you. <laughs> we're we're getting way down a rabbit hole here, guys. All right. So final call. All in. All done. Anyone else have anything? Squirrel in. I already said it. First squirrel, 15 squirrel minutes cam. of the episode. So cam. I am hoping my goal is to go kill Mongo or the mule deer buck Thursday or Friday to go squirrel hunting Saturday and Sunday, get some fresh squirrel. Sure. We're going to fry it up here at Deerland HQ next week sure. with some turkey breast if Tyler remembers to thaw them out. And uh, that's my agenda. That's How right. it works out, I don't know. When is the squirrel rut and when can we go <laughs> when when can we start hanging cameras over a squirrel nest? Well, when, when's the when's the inaugural 
annual squirrel hunting. It'll be right after bow season ends. You know, you get to like February 22nd or 20th or something like that uh, to squirrel hunt now. So if you tag out on Thursday morning, we can squirrel hunt Thursday night. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's either the end of bow season or when I am out of buck tags, which I'm hoping is Thursday morning about 7.15. We need to get you on a big buck squirrel. Yeah, you know, actually, you want you want those small ones. You want the tender, the tender oh, ones. They're they're sure. the better eating. So, sure. you ever had squirrel fries? Uh, no, we're gonna have some fried squirrel though. So. All right, let's do it. All right, guys. Well, this has uh, turned into quite a quite an ordeal here. So we did have a topic. We did talk about that topic, and uh, I hope you guys all made it through this two hours and four minute uh, podcast that we have going on here. So. Uh, we enjoyed bringing it to you. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Deerland Podcast. Also, our website, DeerlandPodcast.com. If you're on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, any of those, please subscribe so you get uh, instant notification when we do have a new episode that is listed. Also, uh, comment and uh, rate us if you do enjoy it. And tell all your friends. We need to try to keep this momentum going and get the word out about what we're bringing you here. So I guess until next time, we'll see you later.